dead morgues and hospitals recently has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking all the human victims. Bodies must be carried to the street and, and, and burned. They must be burned immediately. Soak them with gasoline and burn them. Everyone who dies should become one of them. If you are bitten, you will just become one of them that much What are we dropping bombs in all the big cities? And there's no more room in hell. The dead will walk here. This show will pollute listeners' ears with foul language, occasional sexually explicit content, and more irony than is allowed for single episodes. In the last several years, distributors of obscenity have expanded into new areas, employing new technologies and reaching new audiences. Neither our Constitution, our courts, our people, nor our respect for common decency and human suffering will allow this trafficking in obscene material. Cinema PsyOps. Which exploits women and men alike to continue. Sharing filth-laden desires on mic to warp the brains of listeners until they are all demented deviants. Federal laws are being violated, and thus I am committed to redoubling the federal effort to ensure that those criminal elements who are trafficking in obscenity are pursued with a vengeance and prosecuted to the hill. The fact that society is becoming much more open now, uh, less repressed, and I think there's less need for... Cinema PsyOps. Without dignity, they shout into the void in a vain attempt to be loved. Living in this culture now where there's just icebergs of filth floating through every house on Wi-Fi, it's inconceivable what it must be like to be a young adolescent now with this kind of access to... Cinema PsyOps. It must be dizzying and exciting, but corrupting in a way that we can't even think about. A pirate ship with a tattered flag, sailing across seas of questionable movies while firing cannons of disdain. Cinema PsyOps. Long may she sail. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps. I'm sitting here, a little nasty, dirty, filthy troll that loves Day of the Dead. Sitting across from me is the happy-go-lucky partying bastard that is Matt. I think I shit myself again. Oh, Jesus. It was the intro, wasn't it? It was. It scared you, didn't it? It didn't scare me. It got me so excited that I literally (laughs) shit myself. That's the first time you've heard that since I put it together, because I put it together after we recorded Dawn. Yeah. No, it's fucking awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. That's awesome. I fucking love that. You know why I refer to myself? as a troll in this 
this case? Because that's how George Romero referred to everybody who loves this movie. Yeah, actually, we have a clip of that. I had to pull that. It's from you the special to. features where they did the documentary. Yep. So here it is. People today, looking back on the three zombie films, I think that there are really split camps. And there are some people that you can't get them away from the first film. You know, that's their love. And there are some people that just sort of celebrate and party with Dawn of the Dead. It's sort of the wildest of the three. It was also the most popular. And then there are the real trolls, you know, like Day of the Dead. <laughs> I am them. Yes, you, you, you are them. I guess I kind of am them, too. I mean, I love Day of the Dead. Yeah, but when you pick but, a specific one. Yeah, yeah, Push Comes to Shove, Dawn is my favorite. Yeah, and we both love all of them. Yeah. Well, not survival, Dude. not diary. Oh, hold on now. <laughs> We're not going to do this argument. No, again. no, we let's not do this week. argument right now. My yeah. heart can't handle it. <laughs> but we love all of them. Yeah. Except for the last two for me and the last one for Matt. There you go. And, uh, you know, so picking your favorite out of them, it does speak to your personality, which one you tend to like a little bit more. Yeah. And if you're going to pick one of them to watch, you're going to gravitate towards Dawn. Yeah. And me, I'm going to gravitate towards Day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although I've been, I, I started to shift a little bit watching Day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah? I'm not kidding. All right. Well, we'll we'll hit the points that are that that grabbed you this time around. All right. Yeah, definitely. That's something that we need to talk about. Now, I watched this twice for the show this weekend, but then also <laughs> I watched it again for myself last night because I couldn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, my ears getting better. It's just I'm stuck at the point now where, like, my as you can hear my voice, everybody, I got all the like raw, irritated skin everywhere from my sinuses in my ear. So shit is a little bit sore and crazy and it's been affecting my sleep. I've basically been getting about three to four hours of sleep before I wake up and then it takes me forever to fall back asleep again. And when I did that last night, popped in Day of the Dead. We're both infected uh, (laughs) probably with something because I feel like shit. So we're all going to die soon. I think it's just the air quality from the flooding. I think there's a lot more bacteria and shit that's in the air because everybody's getting sinus infections or or some type of like respiratory issues or ear infections. Everybody. Mine's a stomach thing, but I've been traveling a lot. So that could be part of my problem. Yeah, I just hope that whatever it is, I don't catch it. <laughs> it's not something you can catch. <laughs> it's from you drinking too much? Maybe. <laughs> you got the brown bottle flu? Then again, I didn't drink all that much over the weekend. I really didn't. But yeah, as soon as uh, Bev knew that I was doing the notes on this, she was like, oh, so you'll have to pause it and all of that to get the clips. And I'm like, that's fine, honey. I'll do watch it again. And you and I can just watch it together. That's that's what I did with Dawn. Yeah. I watched it with my wife. I watched it first for me, but just for me to watch it because I <laughs> wanted to watch it. Yeah. Second, I watched it with my wife. And then third, I watched it take the notes and, and, and pause it and everything. I did the same thing, only in reverse order, which is kind of how our lists are going anyway. Yeah, right? <laughs> kind of. Just kind of how it goes. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a change to the schedule. I had said initially we were going to do all the films in order, but from doing the flow of the story thus far, I kind of want to move into land after this. And then we're going to do Night of the Living Dead 90, and then we'll do the other two films. Which I don't like, but Matt likes one of. Yes. Yes. <laughs> This is these these are true. And uh, Ryan sent me. I've been working with uh, Ryan from uh, the Cardiac Clockwork podcast. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the name of it is. I think he changed it on me. But but our buddy Ryan, who is a fellow podcaster, was nice enough to record some stuff for me. I just haven't been able to get to it because a I've been sick and b this stuff has been taking forever. Yeah. The last show that we recorded was basically three hours in the studio with fuck ups and everything that was happening. And the raw recording of it was like two hours and forty five minutes before I. Chopped 
chopped it down. Damn. There was a lot of stuff that was like weird things that I had to take out or just side chat and stuff. And I included some of that, but mostly you and I were just like going off. So I had to take a lot of that shit out. Oh, that's too bad. Well, and we had a lot of errors and weird shit and just, we repeated yeah. ourselves a lot. So anything that was repeated, I took out. There you go. Because that's how it goes when we talk these movies. Yeah. So I'm hoping we can kind of keep that to a relative minimum on this. And actually I'm going to try and keep this intro as slight as possible. Let's go, Bob. Come on, Bob. <laughs> but I am going to do the usual thing that I've been doing and telling about where this one falls and, you know, the story of how I found the film and why it means so much to me and all yeah. that kind of stuff. We're probably going to be mixing it into the review, so I'm pretty sure that we're not going to get news tonight. I'll be shocked if we get this done in time to get news tonight. Yeah, me too. Also, this is very clip-heavy towards the front of the movie because that's where all the dialogue is. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> and then also it's very clip-heavy as in the clips are going to be rather long. Well, yeah, it's it's almost like where Dawn had short spurts of dialogue that went throughout the whole movie, but it's short spurts. Day had long spurts of dialogue, but only in the front part of the movie. And then the back half, there's almost no dialogue, but a lot of action. Yeah. And I think the reason that a lot of that is, is most of the story for this one, and we are going to get into that, is trying to essentially figure out the problem. Yes. And we will get to the allegory part whenever it becomes more and more obvious, but let's stop beating around the proverbial bush about this. We're going to play the Legion Patreon ad. We're going to have a little bit of music from the original Day of the Dead soundtrack on vinyl for you fanatics that have to have that. And in this one, you can actually hear all the pops and weird noises that you like. And when we come back, we will have the trailer from Day of the Dead. This will keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts for just two bucks a month you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to patreon and for five dollars you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie all of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts we appreciate it and thank you for listening now back to the cutting room
Okay, so we talked about it a little bit last week, and I don't know if you remember or not, Matt. Do you remember the composer for this movie was in Dawn of the Dead? Do you remember which role I, I he said? Don't, I don't remember the name. The screwdriver zombie is what I was looking for was the answer. Oh, yes. He was the one who was the composer. That's right. That is correct. He is the one who was the composer, the screwdriver zombie. Now, I, I do remember, because I've watched a few documentaries about the dead films, that they intended for the music in this, in Day of the Dead, to be more tropical because of you know the location and what they were shooting where they you know the where they were supposed to be in the movie the location of where the bunker was yeah that where the bunker at. is supposed to be yeah yeah and so they made the movie with a more of a tropical uh you know, vibe for the music of it do you know what is lacking in the tropical vibe though matt what's that this trailer first came the night then came the dawn now comes the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history george a romero's day of the dead. We've been punished by the creator. He visited a curse. Hello! Is anyone there? For the few remaining, their only hope of survival is to find a cure. You're wasting time trying to define what's happening. But the odds are against them. We're in the minority now. Something like 400,000 to one by my calculations. And so is Captain Rhodes. Anybody else have any questions about the way things are going to run around here from now on? Their one chance is Bub. It's working on instinct. A deep, dark, primordial instinct. But their time is running out. They can be fooled, don't you see? They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys. The same way we were tricked into it. And promised some reward to come. But when the tricks wouldn't work... Their world fell apart. Let him go! God damn it! I'll cut you in Shoot that woman of your name. The dead shall have their day. Day of the dead. Extraordinary, isn't it? Okay, so that trailer was pretty interesting. It yeah. had a thing where there was a zombie in an actual theater when a bunch of people were watching the trailer in the theater. Yeah. It was like this thing that they wanted to do, and it worked for the most part. I thought it was a cool idea and all, but the zombie was eating popcorn, and that munching noise was like really heavy in the track during the trailer. And what? I wanted to use that trailer because I, I really like the guy's voice that's like this the entire time. But, <laughs> but the zombie chewing was driving me nuts, so I tried to cut around it as best as possible. You can still hear it a little bit here and there. You know, I, I didn't mind. I know what commercial you're talking about. I've seen that commercial as well, uh, or trailer, I guess, whatever. And I didn't like that they made the zombie like smiling, like a normal person just in zombie makeup, eating popcorn. <laughs> they should have made him really gross and disgusting and barely able to move, but just watching it. Well, yeah, but then it doesn't have the appeal to try and bring people in. And I like the idea that they're trying to really sell Bub as like their, their last chance, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is really weird a weird interpretation of it and so and let's just get into the film and yeah talk let's about do that. it man all right so the film opens with our main character of sarah hunched against a block wall and staring at a calendar across the room she stands and walks over to it and we see it is actually october and it is halloween now we were talking about this before matt and the time frames that we were talking about uh-huh. i'm assuming that this is the first october since the infection has risen yes now the reason that i'm saying that is because there are calendar 
letters that are still in print. And after the infection, if one October has already passed, who the fuck prints another calendar? You don't understand. Hey, man, listen, after the infection came, there are guys really, you know, wanting to keep TVs going. You don't think there's some guy who owns a calendar shop who's like, no, keep the presses going. We need more calendars. But they've also been down there long enough to where they wouldn't have been able to get another calendar, I don't That's think. That's true. They so, don't yes. Even have the gear that this they would need. be the first October. Right. So, this is how I'm looking at it, right? Let's say, hypothetically speaking, given the way that everybody's dressed in Night of the Living Dead, we said it was like possibly Memorial Day, right? Yeah. Uh huh. So, three to four weeks after that is when dawn and the shit hits the fan and all the cities start going dark. Yes. So, approximately around that time when the people are getting into the mall, this place is set up shop by the government while all the stuff is happening when they're getting in the mall and all those reports that they're watching in the TV. This place gets set up in Florida to try and deal with the problem with all the scientists and the soldiers that are supposed to protect it. And within just a few months of, let's say, July to October, yeah. most of them are dead and crazy. Yes. And have given up. Yes. <laughs> by the time society, we get to them here. Society will crumble quickly. Another thing to note, too, that our main actress, the main lady that we were talking about here that goes over to the calendar, that is Lori Cardilly. Yeah. She is Chili Billy Cardilly's daughter. Yeah. He was the reporter who mm. talks to the chief. Yeah. So yep. they kind of have the universe tied together in that aspect as well. I like to kind of pretend like the reporter's daughter is actually Sarah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Trying to help the world. Right. Because there is a familiar resemblance yeah. and all of that kind of thing. All right, so she reaches up to touch the calendar that's in Halloween and hundreds of pus fuck arms break through the wall revealing this is a nightmare and they grab at her. Which shows her worst fear is them grabbing her. I don't know if that's necessarily her worst fear, but it's just a reoccurring nightmare where the stress is starting to get to her. Well, I mean, but everyone has like the worst fear about this apocalypse, whatever. For some, it's being torn apart into nothing. For some, it's it's being being one of the dead, you know, getting bit just and get away, but then you turn. And I think for hers, it's it's the, the grabbing, that anticipation of, you know, death coming to her. Or just being grabbed by a bunch of fucking assholes. I mean, yeah. even though she sees the dead grabbing at her, she's also the only female surrounded by a bunch of really asshole males. So yeah. being grabbed by a group of mindless zombies, this is, that could be coded very heavily to the men that are in her life currently. This is toxic Avenger amount of toxic masculinity that's in that fucking bunker. Yes. The levels of toxicity all around them is part of the allegory. Yes. This wakes her up to a much worse nightmare of her team flying up and down the coast of Florida because it's fucking Florida. Sorry, Penis Alabama. I've just said one thing. If it's Florida, one of those Floridians tried to fuck a zombie and probably got the fucking disease. I'm just saying. <laughs> They're radioing all over the coast trying to find any survivors of the pus fuck infection. Mm -hmm. Sarah argues with John and McDermott, who I will later refer to as Billy, but we only know him as McDermott here, about setting down to use the bullhorn, and John states he will land the helicopter, but he will not leave his seat, and the engine will remain running. At the first sign of trouble, he's going to abandon them, and he says something about how once that happens, you're going to have a very bad afternoon. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're likely to have a real bad afternoon. <laughs> so the helicopter lands, and Sarah and her current Pogo stick Miguel walk to the outskirts of the town. Miguel shouts, Hello! 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 Is there anyone out there? Hello! 
wow, that acting was so good. People are going to think we played a clip. I know, right? No, they're not. No. <laughs> not at all. Not even a little bit. He's shouting all of that into the bullhorn, which arouses what I have in my notes as a metric fuckton. That would be a metric fuckton, yes. Of fucking pus fucks. That would be a metric fuckton of fucking Floridians who are now undead. Great. We already see a couple try to, like, you know, probably fuck an alligator because, you know, that's what people <laughs> from fucking Florida do. And I'm assuming the dead wouldn't be any different. And that's the other thing, too. There's an alligator who just happens to live among them with its jaws wired shut. Yes. You see that. The fucking alligator's jaws are wired shut. I know they did that for the safety on the set, yeah. but I'm just... One of the one of the trainers got hurt by when they tried to remove the, the tape or the wire, so they, they had to keep it. The fucking alligator just doesn't even get... The, the zombies don't even care. They're not even... Gonna, you know somebody tried to bite that fucking thing, and he's like, I eat dead stuff. Fuck you. And then ate a zombie. Yeah, probably ate a zombie. He's like, see, I'm fine. Or it's like a hybrid zombie alligator creature. Nah, man, this thing's prehistoric. I mean, I'm just saying, man, this thing hasn't had to evolve over time. Let's show this prehistoric bitch while we do things downtown. <laughs> All right, so one of these pus fucks is the well-known Dr. Tongue who appears and walks into frame just over top of the movie title or that, just before, however you want to say it. That is such a cool effect. Little side note story here. I actually had it arranged to where there was a tattoo artist who was going to give me a Dr. Tongue tattoo for free. Nice. It was a really well-drawn tattoo. It looked amazing. Mm -hmm. My wife put the kibosh on that because she did not want to look at a Dr. Tongue for the rest of her life. Uh, And I kind of had to respect that. Yeah. Now, fun fact with the alligator, the two zombies who came out of the bank where the alligator is, those are the actually alligator handlers. That would make sense. Yes. They they (laughs) allowed, they're like, let's just do you both up in makeup and let you come out because you'll be there. So One of the benefits of having a need for multiple zombie extras is the people that you need to handle shit like the fucking alligator you have to have in that shot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a good thing. Well, after Dr. Tongue appears and the title pops up, we cut back to John and Billy McDermott, and that is our very first clip. We can lift you out to safety. Please answer my call if you can hear me. Forget Billy Boy. It's a dead please. Like all the others, you know, listen. You can hear it over the engine. Jesus, baby, Joseph. With this, Miguel sees an oncoming horde and runs like Matt towards a free beer sign. Fuck yeah, he did. And fuck yeah, I would. <laughs> Sarah stays put, looking extremely dour, and they cut to the helicopter in flight. And when I first saw this, I'm like, holy fuck, they left her there. Well, anybody else get like, did he get any anxiety? I mean, here comes a whole fucking mountain of fucking rotting flesh coming at you, and you're just standing there like, wow, look at that. <laughs> I have the weirdest boner right now. <laughs> Clip. They cut from that to an army dude watering his weed plants and checking it out as the helicopter lands. We then see a very young, very attractive looking Greg Nicotero. Yes. Grabs his gear and walks towards the team. And I've said too much about my love of Greg Nicotero. So that's our next clip. Fine, I think. Yeah. I bought a real estate for sale at closeout prices, man. Got to the machine. She's down to fumes. No. Wait till it's dark. There's too many of them out there. Hey, hey. It's no good to leave the gas tank empty. Suppose we need to get out of here in a hurry. Then we're shit out of luck. They're getting too riled up. Do it tonight when they can't see you. They know Oh, we're in here even if they can't see us. What good is it to leave the gas tank? The activity excites them. There are too many of them. There's more and more of them every day. If you get a lot more, come out and shoot some of them. Otherwise, stay inside the building. Stay out of sight. Thankful you live in the suburbs, Johnson. You ought to see how congested the city's getting to be. Miguel, come on, let's get below. Miguel, what can I do? You 
What? Let me help. No, I, I don't need help. I don't need help. Come on, give me this. I'm all right. I'm just tired. You're not all right. You're collapsing from stress. The now let me help. Stress? We're all collapsing. This whole fucking unit is collapsing, everybody except you. I know you're strong, all right? So what? Stronger than me. Stronger than everyone. So what? So fucking what? That's a new grave. Major Cooper. He died this morning. And then there were 12. Burial this morning. That's why there's so many of them. What's going to bring them tomorrow, sir? And the next day, and the next day after that. There are hundreds of them out there. Thousands. A million of them. You stick your head in the sand, they're going to come up behind you and bite off your ass. This is bullshit what we're doing here. It's crazy. If you've got an alternative to what we're doing, we'd be happy to listen to it. I got an alternative. Yeah, yeah, I got an alternative. Let's get in that old whirly bird there. Find us an island someplace. Get juiced up and spend what time we got. Let's soaking up some sunshine. How's that? You could do that, couldn't you? With all that's going on, you could do that without a second thought. Shit. I could do that even if all this wasn't going on. That's the smartest thing I've ever heard anyone say about anything. <laughs> Let's go be beach bums, yes. basically. Yeah. Fuck your day, duh. They fire up the freight lift that will be referred to from here on out as the elevator, because that's what they call it, so okay. There you go. And they go below ground with a really cool miniature that is animated of doors closing behind it. That's That, did, that didn't exist. Yeah, no, I know. That's pretty cool the way they did it, it's, though. It looks real. Yeah. I mean. And you would need something like that in a zombie apocalypse where doors close when the lift isn't all the way up. Yeah, exactly. Especially when, like, as soon as it starts getting down to a certain level, they should close even before the elevator comes all the way down. Yeah, I still don't know how much you want to be underground during a zombie apocalypse. Eh, we'll get to that. All right. John is asked by a military man if it was another waste of time, which he concurs, and enter Steele and Rickles to hereon spout off racist, sexist, and just generally asshole comments constantly from here on out. Well, I mean... The shorter one uh, is uh, Castile, and then uh, who's the other one again? Rickles. Rickles. Rickles has, uh, has obviously lost his fucking mind. He's already gone. Oh, they all have. Probably, maybe. I don't know. I think Steele's always been just an asshole. So. To quote Miguel, this whole fucking unit's collapsing. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone except you. I know you're stronger than me. So what? So fucking what? Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Can and, you tell I watch this a lot? <laughs> that's what happens when you put a guy in the friend zone. <laughs> <laughs> he's not in the friend zone. He's her fucking pogo stick. Well, it was. that's all he's good for. Well, he was, but now, I mean, doesn't sound like she's... I mean, trust me, she ain't, she ain't fucking him with that attitude. The friend zone is not a thing. You don't deserve access to some woman's body. Oh, I know. That's why it was just a joke. Steel and Rickles demand that Miguel get on the cart to get two more dumb fucks. Sarah tries to help. They are dismissive of her because, you know, she's a woman and all. Sexist assholes. They procure two pus-brained bags of shit, which Miguel, being Miguel, fucks up and lets one go because he's losing his shit, almost causing Rickles to be killed. This sparks off a vengeful lover-type moment where Steel grabs Miguel, dangles his head just above some pus-fucks grasp until Sarah saves his weak, collapsing ass by threatening to shoot Steel into equal halves. Nice. Once Steel lets him go, there is a moment where Sarah seems to almost be ashamed of her choice in pogo sticks. Uh, well, she definitely is. I mean, look at this guy. Come on. Holy shit. They cut to the soldiers drop the pus bags off at the lab, cursing at them the entire time, and Rickles even takes time to flip them the bird through the window, screaming, fuck you. Well, I mean, they are kind of being 
dicks. Well, as they're leaving. <laughs> well, no, the zombies are dicks. Zombies are not dicks. Zombies are just doing what zombies do. Well, that's being dickish, though. They're doing dickish things. They want to eat us, and not in the good way. Not in the good way. In a very bad way. They cut from this to Sarah wants to sedate Miguel, who gets violent towards her when she refills this first syringe that he violently throws against the wall, screaming that he's not going to let her dope him up. He slaps the living hell out of her. She doesn't use the safe word. <laughs> then he immediately regrets it. He goes to embrace her, and Sarah, being the badass that she is, uses the opportunity to stick him with the needle and sedate him anyway. He calls her a bitch, then you. calls her a fucking bitch. You bitch. He tried to charge her before saying that, but then kind of stops and realizes that he's being a complete fucking pussy. Well, I think part of him was also going to charge to try to shatter a lot of the the uh, uh, the rest of like the drugs she has. The syringes. The syringes and stuff because she grabs them real quick to almost protect them. Yeah. And then he falls to the bed in distress and starts openly weeping because he has lost his shit. Actually, I forgot to mention this. I did pull a, a, a clip of him freaking out. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Who in the fuck took my paper clips? You can tell he really did not want to be doped There's up. There's pain there. <laughs> there's pain. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's beautiful. And then we go to our next clip. We've got to have sterile conditions. Half the work we do goes down the toilet due to contamination. You'll work with what you got, Fisher. But it's madness! Can't you understand? I understand this. You and your playmates? You're running out of friends fast around here. Look, Major Cooper promised that- Major Cooper is dead. I'm in command now. And I'm telling you that you work with what you got. And you better start showing me some results. Well, you won't have that very much longer. How can we show you results when we don't have the proper working conditions? We're in a desperate situation here. We need each other. Can't we just get you along? You need us the way I see it, lady. I'm not so sure we need you at all. Fucking A. I'm not even sure just what the hell it is you're doing in there. Just what the hell it is my men are risking their asses for. Well, maybe if there was more cooperation around here, your men wouldn't have to risk their asses quite as often. Miguel Salazar's in bad shape. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> I want him pulled off active duty for a while until we can evaluate his condition. Can't spare him. He's over the edge. He's turning into jello. Jello? That's the way it's a yellow. Jello! <laughs> Miguel is seriously disturbed. He's close to the breaking point, and that's dangerous for all of us. He can't handle any more stress right now. Well, maybe I should cut off his extracurricular activities. Maybe you're keeping him too busy at night. We're talking about a man's life here, you son of a bitch. And the lives of others he might put in jeopardy. Maybe I should put him in quarantine. How about it, Steele? You call it, Captain. I'll build him a cage. <laughs> Yeah, might not be a bad idea. Give some of the rest of us a shot at some loving. Hey, it's going to be a long winter. <laughs> Come on, Ted, let's get out of here. I'm calling a meeting for 7 o'clock tonight. I want everybody present. Everybody, lady, including Dr. Frankenstein and including your boyfriend. I gave him a sedative. He won't be awake. Look here, woman. I'm short on manpower. I won't have you going around doping up any of my men without orders from me. Is that clear? Yes, sir. F 
Fuck you, sir! Out of the frying pan into the fire. I thought Cooper was an asshole, but he was a sweetheart next to Rhodes. We could be in real trouble. You better watch yourself. I mean physically, watch yourself. I can handle it. Don't worry, it's not going to come to that. We've just got to pound some logic into their heads. Impossible. Where's Dr. Logan? Frankenstein, he's in his laboratory. Where else? There's a loss of initiative, caution. Many of the human cognitive functions. Apparently the result of decay in the front. Parietal. Temporal and occipital lobes. On revival, the rate of decomposition is slowed substantially. Indications are that these beings could function over a period of years. In cases of early revival, 10 to 12 years before decay would threaten immobility. The brain is the engine, Sarah, the motor that drives them. They don't need any blood flow, don't need any of their internal organs. And I've severed all the vital organs in this. There's nothing left of the corpse but brain and limbs, and still it functions. Look, Sarah, look. See, it, it wants me. It wants food, but it has no stomach. It can take no nourishment from what it ingests. It's working on instinct, a deep, dark, primordial instinct. Decomposition occurs first in the frontal lobes, the neocortex, and next in the limbic system, the middle brain. But the core, the core is the last thing to be attacked by the decay. It's the R-complex, Sarah, that central bit of prehistoric jelly that we inherited from the reptiles. Here, I, I've gone into the center here and attacked the R-complex discreetly. I've removed it from the equation, this corpse. I believe this creature would be benign even if it had its eyesight and its other senses. Its primitive instincts have been erased. It still has motor function. Probably still has powers of deliberation. It can be domesticated, Sarah, don't you see? It can be conditioned to behave the way we want it to behave. And all that's required is 15 hours of fancy surgery that only a handful of people are trained to do. I thought we were going to stop work on the neurophysical and concentrate on something more practical. These finds are central to the condition. I will not stop any work that might lead to an answer, let alone on an area that is central to the condition. But you're just proving theories that were advanced months ago, and you're not even proving them correctly. You're making a lot of assumptions here. You're wasting time trying to define what's happening instead of looking for what's making it happen. And just slicing up too many specimens. It's extremely dangerous to go up on top and round them up in the wild when we can't control them. What happened to this one? It was too unruly. I couldn't handle it. I had to destroy it. We can still get information from it. Dr. Logan, we are losing the cooperation of the men. I'm not even sure they'll go up top when we run out of the specimens we already have. I'm not sure they won't just try to shut us down completely. Well, I'll show them results. I'll show them results. I'll show them that these creatures can be domesticated even without the surgery. Knowing what they are, we can begin to approach them properly, condition them, control them. We've got to do this, sir. It's our only hope. Yes, this is Major Cooper. I needed him, sir. He's helping us more now than he ever did when he was alive. But I saw the grave. They buried one of the specimens. Jesus God, Logan. Do you know what they'll do to you if they find out about this? Do you know what they'll do to all of us? They'll never find out. He can't be recognized. Not a very good plan. No, that's... Uh... <laughs> can't be recognized. She just recognized him from the dog tags because you don't know how to cover your ass, Frankenstein. Yeah, Jesus. you need to start burning that shit if that's what you're going to do, man. And I love how he's like going through all this stuff and acting like this is like this major new thing that he's found, all these stuff. And she's like, you're just proving theories that were advanced months ago and you're yeah. not even proving them correctly. You're making a lot of assumptions. 
assumptions. Yes. So, Sarah, yeah, even he's losing his shit. You feel bad for Sarah because all she's had, the only thing she's been able to do since the beginning of this movie is ball bust because everybody else is constantly failing her. Well, it's kind of the syndrome that we had with Franny where she's somewhat of the drag to everybody else's like shit. Yeah. But she's also correct. Yeah. But and, I'm not even saying Sarah's being a drag. Sarah's having, having to bust balls because everyone, whereas like Franny maybe was a drag, but she was right. But the other three guys weren't insane yet. Everyone else is. Eh, Roger was. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was getting there. Yeah. But everyone in this, except for maybe two guys, three guys are insane. Who's the third guy that's not insane? The other scientist guy with the mustache. Fisher. Fisher. John Amplis. Yes. From Martin. That's right. Yes. But he is definitely not, you know, he has it still together, but he wants to help Sarah at least. The other two guys who haven't lost their shit have given up on everything and just, you know, show up to fly and that's it. Well, they never agreed with any of it anyway. Yeah. Which we'll get, that will, that, we'll yeah. get there, but I'm just saying. So now she's going down there pretty much surrounded by no help in, a, in the exact opposite of of even you know and not, not even apathy direct headbutting so yeah she's got to ball bust everyone down there to fucking make her goddamn point okay so with this at the end of the clip we actually heard the strap breaking but the pus fuck that was on the table that had all of his organs severed breaks a strap and somehow without a single attached core muscle connected sits up to reach for Sarah and spills his guts all over the floor in a mm. glorious display of gross out gore that is awesome Awesome. Yeah. Love it. So I'm not going to complain about how does he fucking move without any stomach muscles like that. Yeah. Because the muscles that are required are clearly there underneath the effect. Yes. Because it looks awesome. It looks so super good. Yeah. The way that I would suggest to fix this in the future is that he breaks free, gets a hold of Sarah, and she pulls forward. Yes. The body spills over and yeah. the guts go everywhere. But still, the effect is so awesome. I didn't think about that literally until I was writing the notes for it. Yeah. And then I went, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. The physiology of this doesn't work. <laughs> well, and then I loved the one where he's talking about where he had dissected the entire head down to the brain. And the brain was the only thing he had there intact. Yeah, and he removed the R complex or something like he, that. The, the only thing. R complex. He, yeah, yeah. And, but I loved hearing how that effect was done. Where they're like, yeah, we just had to have a guy lay there. And he had to bend his head all the way back and lay there for a bit. He was like, not the most comfortable thing for anybody to do. And the worst part about that effect is because his head was back there like that. He was basically sitting in a giant pan. Yeah. The fake blood wasn't going where it needed to from the brain. It was supposed to be spewing out of the neck. Yeah. It slowly filled up the pan while he was under there. Oh. And the guy was slowly trying to get his head above where he could actually breathe. Yeah. And that's why the brain was moving in ways that it shouldn't have been in some of the scenes. Because the guy was almost drowning in like (laughs) fucking fake blood. Yeah. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Can you believe that? Oh God. And how do you tell somebody when you're muffled in your screams? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're just going to die and then they see he was like i believe they said like his neck got injured doing that because you oh, yeah. fucking how long he had to lay like that yeah i can only imagine his yes. neck was all fucked up all right so frankenstein dremels the brain pan of the dumb fuck and this causes bub to step back and show signs of pure empathy it looked as though he felt bad for his fellow zombie there it looks like yeah and maybe even a mix of fear like is that what is that what's gonna happen to me i actually always took it more like at first he's shocked and he's afraid but then he realizes what that did to that zombie and it looks like he's actually sad for that zombie and what happened to him. I think it's a little bit of both because they are... Emotions are complex even for Bub. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, they even, like they said, when they got these two, when they got the the two that they got earlier from the corral, they said 
it's harder and harder to get them to come out. And like uh, they joke that uh, they're scared what Frankenstein will do to them. Yeah. And Sarah hypothesized that they're not exactly wrong. They, they may be learning that, you know, when they go out, they don't exactly get to eat. Uh, you, you know, they've seen like their other zombies go out. They don't get to eat and then they never come back. So it's like, well, fuck, what, what do we want to do? And I would imagine that given the close locale of where everything is and you can hear zombies screaming all the time. Yeah. Regardless of where you're at, you can actually hear their moans and all of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. That the sounds of the surgeries and everything is actually happening. Yeah. And while this may not be part of the actual allegory, this is a zombie concentration camp and Dr. Frankenstein is the Joseph Mengele of zombies. You're right. That is fucking horrifying. Yeah. I didn't think about that until with recent events that are happening in our country, I was having that on the brain. I always looked at that as like a cattle corral because the way that it's set up is mm-hmm. like a corral to bring in an animal and to pen them in one it, at a time. It's exactly what they do to a bull. I mean, for uh, bull riding, they, you know, they yeah. close one end and then they open it up so it can go out. But yeah. That's also something that they do shortly before the hook and crook whenever you have the old-fashioned sledgehammer or the gun. Yes. I know that from personal experience. <laughs> it's a killing corral. Yes. All right, so Bubba's showing signs of pure empathy and that leads to our next clip. Not a peep. Long range or short, high band or low, I can't raise anybody. How can that be, McDermott? There must be other groups like us. Somebody else must be trying to radio. Yeah, what the hell is this, man? Maybe we are the only ones left. Oh, I'm sure there's others. This is not the best place to be sending from. And a lot of the equipment I'm using has been rotting down here since the Second World War. Well, it's up to you to get it working right. Lay off the fucking booze for a while, why don't you? And get somebody on that fucking horn. Pronto! If we stay down here long enough, I'll have to lay off the fucking booze still, because there won't fucking be any of it fucking left. In the meanwhile, I will continue to indulge myself, and I will continue doing my best in the good fight against dry rot and rust. Yeah? Well, your best ain't good enough, asshole. You think I'm not aware of our situation? Do you think I want to stay isolated down here? You know, I'd make a desperate effort to raise somebody just in the hope of getting away from your nasty mouth steel. The fact is... Fact is, either we are the only ones left. Well, there's nobody within range of my puny little Second World War signals. We used to talk to Washington all the time. They could hear us then. We were on relays then. We weren't over the air. You know, the power's off in the mainland now, in case you haven't heard. And all the shopping malls are closed. We don't appreciate your fucking jokes, old man. Keep it up, and I'll shove that bottle of yours right up your wife's ass. I've got better things to do than listen to this kindergarten. Are we finished here? No, we ain't finished here, lady. Sit down. What else do you want? We've given you the reports for this week. We've given you You've everything you've given us a mouthful of Greek salad. Formulas, equations, a lot of fancy terms that don't mean a thing. I want to know if you're doing something that's going to help us out of this deep shit we're in. Or if you're all in there just jerking each other off. We sure have to jerk off like the rest of us, Captain. She got herself an honest-to-God dick to get off on, huh? <laughs> it may be yellow, but it's still a dick! <laughs> I said we ain't finished here, lady. Sit down. Sit down or so help me God, I'll have you shot. You what? I said I'll have you shot. Have you lost your mind? No, ma'am. Have you? I just told you I was willing to kill you if you didn't get back in your chair. You didn't get back in your chair. God damn it, you can't shove us around like this. Since when did this become a military operation? Since I took over. Steel, shoot that woman. Fine, you're dead. <laughs> shoot that woman or you're dead. You think I'm fucking around, Steel? 
You're wrong. Now you've got till a count of five, and that's two you wasted. That's three, four. Sit down, Sarah. What is this? Shut up and sit down. That's five, Steve. All right. All right. No! Anybody else have any questions about the way things are gonna run around here from now on? This ain't a goddamn field trip, people. This is a fucking war! I'm not down in this cave for my health. I'm down here on orders. Your orders are to facilitate the job of this scientific team. This is a civilian team, Captain, and we don't have to be subjected to your tyranny. Who's being subjected to what, Fisher? You've lost one man. We've lost five. Where does it say we gotta keep those dumb fucks next door to where we sleep? Where does it say we should do any one thing but shoot the mothers in the head? Dude, we don't have enough ammunition, Captain. Shoot them all in the head. Time to have done that would have been at the beginning. No, they let them overrun us. They have overrun us, you know. We're in the minority now. Something like 400,000 to one by my calculations. I haven't eaten. Is there food? You were supposed to be here at seven o'clock sharp, mister. I know, Sarah told me. I'm sorry I couldn't break away. Is there food? Listen, egghead, let me bring you up to date on what's been... Let me... Excuse me! Is there food? I'm running this monkey farm now, Frankenstein, and I want to know what the fuck you're doing with my time! Because if we're just jerking off here... I'm gonna have my men blow the piss out of those precious specimens of yours. And we're gonna get the hell out of here and leave you and your highfalutin asshole friends to rot in this stinking sewer. Is that food enough for you? Where will you go, Captain? You can destroy my specimens, but what about the millions more that are waiting to greet you outside? You really think you can blow the piss out of them, all of them? They have you in a hopeless situation strategically. You're lost. Well, you're lost unless... Unless what? Unless what, Frankenstein? Unless you can make them behave. (laughs) This is a fucking loony bit. I ain't being paid enough to work in a fucking loony bit. I ain't being paid at all. Where's that paycheck, Steel? All right, shut up. Just shut up. What the hell are you talking about, Frankenstein? I'll be able to show you soon enough. Sarah knows. She's seen the progress I've been making. Isn't that right, Sarah? Yes, there's been some progress. What kind of progress? What are you talking about? Make them behave. What does that mean? It means keeping them from wanting to eat us, for one thing. It means keeping them in check. It means controlling them. Controlling them. When are you going to show us something that we can understand? Very close. Very close. I think in a matter of weeks... I don't think there's any way you can tell how long anything is going to take. It could be months, it could be years before we know exactly what we're dealing with here. Sarah's research... Sarah's research! It's more esoteric than mine. She's looking for a way to reverse the process, a way to eradicate the problem. It could take a long time, a very long time. She may never find what she's looking for. We have a limited supply of chemical agents. Our equipment is hopelessly inadequate. McDermott doesn't have decent radio gear? Now you're telling me that you don't have the shit you need? We're running low on ammunition. We're running low on men, for Christ's sake. It was very rushed. This operation was put together in a matter of days. Yeah, well, it can all be taken apart in a matter of minutes, lady. And I'm here to tell you that I'm ready to do that little thing. I'm ready to take the next train out of here. I ask you again, Captain. Where will you go? You have no choices. You'll have to give us the weeks that we've asked for. You have to give us however long it takes. Look, there have to be survivors in Washington. Oh, my. They have more sophisticated shelters than this one. There have to be people in those shelters who know about us, who know where we are. With no radio contact, they'll come looking for us. I said shut up! You got a little more time. 
A little more. I ain't saying how much. But you better start showing me some results and you better not piss me off. You understand? Nothing happens around here without my knowing about it. And anybody fucks with my command. They get court-martialed. They get executed. You better know I mean it too, people. Yes, yes, as a matter of fact, he does. Yes. Holy shit, Rhodes is the biggest fucking asshole on the face of this fucking earth. <laughs> Fuck, though, I love this acting job. Yeah, Joe Pilato does his yeah. job so well. Oh my God, you just hate this prick. Yeah, and from what I could tell of some of the interviews with him, he yeah. was like the exact opposite of Rhodes. That's how good of an actor he is. Yeah, he's like, the. he seems in all his interviews like the nicest guy. He talks about how he loved to hang out with the special effects guys because yeah. one it was the most fun they had the best music and then he kind of alludes to he liked to get high with the special effects guys yeah why not man i'm with it because <laughs> he didn't come right out and say it but he basically made it sound like they had the best weed on set yes and so that's why he liked to hang out with them And he's passed away recently yeah we he? did recently lose him it's uh, tremendous loss because he was an excellent actor he's yeah. been great in just about everything i've ever seen him in i know he's just one of those pleasant surprises so yeah, just he was so great r.i.p in peace buddy yeah all right so they file out of that meeting and John tells Sarah the line Matt loves about being safe because of being needed for communications and for a ride. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've gone over that a ton of times He won't already. shoot me because I'm his ride. <laughs> he won't shoot, shoot Billy because he needs him for the communications yeah. and the repairs. And he won't even shoot old Frankenstein because he can make with the words. <laughs> yeah, he talks the circles around yeah. him and he basically confuses him. Yes. So then John states that Sarah and Fisher, because he says the rest of you and he's basically looking at Sarah and Fisher so he should have just said but you two yeah. should better watch their asses they take off for their respective homes and or rooms after Sarah calls for more cooperation and John shines her on by saying it isn't in his priorities more or less when he also said that's the problem with the world Sarah everyone has a different idea of what needs to be done that's essentially what I said yes yeah, yeah. I just am paraphrasing it. yeah cut to Sarah was sleeping and wakes up to see Miguel turn over and spill his guts like the pus fucking Frankenstein's lab. Another cool effect. She wakes up kind of startled and screaming. Miguel calls Sarah a hypocrite when she wakes up from the nightmare and she kicks him out of her room because she has her choice of pogo sticks in this cave. Yes. This sends Sarah out looking for medicine for a headache, which I'm guessing that Sarah is getting stress headaches constantly. Probably. She then takes the medicine using the water fountain only to hear a pus fuck freak out and then walk right into a full-fledged brawl in the hallway that Billy McDermott saves her from, offering her some of his brandy, stating it is good for the heart. Sarah says it is shit for the heart and eats up your liver, which I'm sure Matt will try to argue. No, no, they're right. I just don't care. Then drinks very deeply from the flask before the two stroll off into the land of John and Billy. John and Billy live in a converted construction trailer that is referred to as the Ritz because it has a very fancy backyard-like area that is set up to look like a tropical island retreat. Sarah begins having a very serious discussion with John, and I had to include it. That is our next clip. Hey! Well, who do you know? Welcome to civilization, Sarah. The last hole out. Pretty nice. Nicer than we got inside. Not a bad idea. It's a little safer where you are. But we like to live dangerously, Billy Boy and me, you know. That's a laugh. I haven't seen you do anything dangerous since we got here. We're sticking around. That's getting to be dangerous. I hope you notice this evening. You're a mystery to me. 
You really are. Not like those other goons in there. You have a sense of... Oh, fuck. <laughs> Never mind. No, 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 come on, let's talk about it. When I came down here to get drunk, I don't have the energy. Hey, hey, it takes more energy to keep quiet than it does to speak, am I? Go ahead, let go of what you got now. You were sent down here to do a job. My job is to fly the whirly bird. I've been doing that job just fine. You have the protection of this facility, you eat our food, you drink our water, and you don't lift a finger to help. Neither one of you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't believe in what you're doing, is Sarah. Hey, you know what all they keep down here in this cave? Man, they got the books and the records of the top 500 companies. They got a defense department budget down here. And they got the negative for all your favorite movies. They got microfilm with tax return and newspaper stories. They got immigration records and census reports. And they got official accounts of all the wars and plane crashes and volcano eruptions and earthquakes and fires and floods and all the other disasters that interrupted the flow of things in the good old U.S. of A. Now, what does it matter, Sarah, darling? All this filing and record-keeping. We ever gonna give a shit. We even gonna get a chance to see it all. This is a great big 14-mile tombstone with an epitaph on it that nobody gonna bother to read. Now here you come, here you come with a whole new set of charts and graphs and records. What you gonna do? Bury them down here with all the other relics of what once was? I'm gonna tell you what is. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you what is. You ain't never gonna figure it out. Just like they never figured out why the stars are where they're at. It ain't mankind's job to figure that stuff out. So what you're doing is a waste of time, Sarah. And time is all we got left, you know. I'm doing. It's all there's left to do. Shame on you. There's plenty to do. Plenty to do. So as long as it's you and me and maybe some other people, we could start over. Start fresh. Get some babies. And teach them, Sarah. Teach them never to come over here and dig these records out. You want to put some kind of explanation down here before you leave? Here's one as good as any likely to find. We've been punished by the Creator. He visited a curse on us. So we might get a look at what hell was like. Maybe he didn't want to see us blow ourselves up and put a big hole in the sky. Maybe he just wanted to show us he was still a bus man. Maybe he figured we was getting too big for our bitches trying to figure his shit out. Okay, first of all, scientists do know why the stars ended up exactly where they are. Yes. And secondly, historical accounts of humanity are important as well. Justifying your desire to fuck off on the beach with the time you have left on the planet is not necessary if that's what you want. Talking down about the entire history of humanity when people can actually learn from it doesn't make what you have to say any more important because you just want to go live on a beach and fuck off. Just go do it. <laughs> I don't know. This guy's making a lot of sense to me. Of course, because you have the same mentality as him. Yeah, I kind of just want to go to a beach and fuck off. Exactly. Then just fucking do it. Don't make some weird philosophical horse shit based around that. Just say, my life only has meaning when I go to a beach and fuck off. Nah, you know, <laughs> but you know, I just, nah, man, I agree with him. We're getting too busy trying to figure his shit out. <laughs> First of all, he isn't there. And secondly, how dare you assume the gender <laughs> the of gender. whatever creator is supposed to be there. <laughs> they cut from this to Sarah doing research with a massive headache, like I get when I have any discussions about religion with my family, and needs a break, so she goes for more pain meds when she overhears Fisher having issues with attempting to feed a pus fuck beef treats 
instead of people. They have a discussion that repeats in the series, the whole they are us, we are them. We've heard that a couple of different times. We're going to hear that again coming up later on. But essentially, I don't understand the idea of people in the Romero universe for zombies not understanding that they are exactly the same. They're just back from the dead and they function like us just on a much more fucked up level. Yeah, just at a very primitive level. Yeah, like a Fox News viewer. Yeah. Basically. Exactly. Hey, real quick, one thing I wanted to bring out, some of the uh, nods that we were getting to the previous movies, kind of like when McDermott was like, oh, they're, all the malls are closed. closed. Yeah. And, and, yeah. that's got, and coming up here, we're going to get a little uh, count back with uh, Frankenstein's turns the lights off on the zombie uh, in the room, and it starts playing the music from the mall. A that, little bit. That, 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 <laughs> well, it's a similar type of thing. Yeah. It is kind of about the time to kind of talk about this. Now, at the time that this movie came out, the main allegory was for nuclear proliferation and the threat of the Cold War. Yes, and also the militarization, comp- the military... Uh, military industrial complex. complex. Yes. yes. That, I mean, really... That's both, what this place is those... because it's scientists and military supposedly working together yeah. but butting heads. Yeah, and both of those things, the Cold War and you know nuclear proliferation, it all comes from the military military industrial complex. But I would actually expand that to the greater cause of all of the things that we've kind of discussed here so far, and that is the giant fuck-up of people who are put in charge that are not doing their job properly and are putting their own selfish interests ahead of the people that need their help. Congress. Wait, what? I'm sorry. Just the government in general, regardless (laughs) of what level it's at, whether it's even the justice system, all of that shit. Basically, the failing of any government governmental system, regardless of what it's based on, to actually take care of the people it is supposed to govern. That is what I would submit to you the actual story here is. Yes. He's talking about it in the time of the 80s when the Cold War was basically just a bunch of bullshit posturing Mm -hmm. that was putting entire populaces at risk just to do a dick measuring contest with missiles. Yes, for annihilation. I'm so glad things have changed. They haven't. Oh, shit. They did for a little bit. No, they really didn't. No, no. For a little bit. For like a half a year. No, 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 no. It was it was longer. Than, it feels like half a year. In the grand scheme of time, it is just a sliver. But there was about five years where it looked like if we could have gone a certain way, things really could have been evened out in a geopolitical sense. And uh, it didn't happen. Want to know why? No money in it. We could actually see that we were riding a beautiful crest of a wave, just like that speech that Hunter S. Thompson gives that everybody loves from yes. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. We were riding a grand and beautiful wave of things looking like they're about to turn up and things are about to get better. Yeah. And sometimes if you just look out with the right eyes, you can see the high watermark where the crest of the wave gave up and then rolled back. Yeah. And that's where we're at right now. It really is. In the land of Day of the Dead. We're right right back where we were in the early to mid 80s, if not maybe a little worse. After that discussion about we are them, they are us, Frankenstein shows up and takes them to Bub, who he has been training for quite a while now. Bub was named after a nickname from Frankenstein's father from the club that he went to. And then we hear a little bit of Frankenstein's issues where he talks about, can you imagine a surgeon named Bub? My father was quite wealthy. He said, I'll never make money doing pure research. Yeah. 
you can see some serious daddy issues, and I kind of started identifying with Frankenstein a little bit. <laughs> it's funny when people try to point out that they think um, a lot of this was a nod to the character Wolverine with Bub and Logan, but it is not. No, 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 no it is not. No. That's what I'm saying. But a lot of people are like, oh, it must be something like that. I'm like, no, that was all just coincidence. His hair was wild and crazy because he was an insane scientist who never fucking brushed yeah, no, it. No, no, I mean, and, that with and the his hair. name was Logan. Yeah, they, they always just go by the two names of Bub and Logan. And I'm like, but it's not. Or, you know, I would have read about that by now. And that's that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Thank you. It's not. Uh, So not a thing. So not a thing. You're right, sir. All right. So we actually see that Bub remembers and knows how to shave. He even ends up cutting off a couple of little slices on his face. Rookie move. After tossing the toothbrush that he grabs like a gutter punk. Yeah. He throws that away because he ain't going to need it. I don't brush my teeth. What are you doing? Clip. Yep. He then thumbs through a... Stephen King's Salem's Lot book and has some serious memory reactions to it. I think he was terrified by that book. He was like, oh shit, it's that one part where she's knocking on the window on the second floor. Fuck, that's creepy. That was actually a kid, but yeah, that's fucking terrifying. It's still fucking creepy. Yeah, even in the movie that Toby Hooper did, fucking terrifying. <laughs> and he even expresses a sort of like emotional sadness because it's like he remembers part of his humanity while he's going through the book and you kind of see it where he looks yeah. really sad. It's very important to point out Howard Sherman later billed as Sherman Howard, depending upon which movie you see him in. I don't know which one you want to refer to him as. Howard Sherman, Sherman Howard, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who played Bub, and he plays Bub with an extremely childlike presence, almost like a toddler who is discovering things that he is shocked that he somehow vaguely remembers. Yes. He even moves and reacts, even his eyes and his facial expressions, like a toddler. And this level of innocence that he plays Bub with makes it to where you almost look at Bub, where you're like, he's adorable, I want to keep him. It- almost like a puppy who's starting to learn not just tricks but starting to learn how to behave you know commands and such I actually wrote a haiku about that really a long long time ago when I was in college nice bub is a great pet just as long as he is fed yeah. eat bub eat good boy <laughs> nice Fisher recounts that he saw a pus fuck trying to drive a car in DC and this proves nothing that just because it can remember and act like with memories doesn't mean that it's actually going to be trainable. Sarah actually states the amazing thing is that Bub does not see the doc as food. It's not important what he does for reactions and being trained. It's what he does when he doesn't react to the doctor's presence or act as though he's trying to eat him and that's the important thing. He does not get agitated. Yes, I believe that's the word that she uses frequently about yes. that. Rhodes shows up and starts being a total pain in the fucking ass. Doc. The major D-bag. Doc gets Bub to Say hello, Aunt Alish, after giving him a phone. If you listen very closely, Bob actually speaks and says that. Yep. He is the first zombie in a Romero flick to talk. That's right. And probably the only one, because I don't remember any of the other ones actually saying anything. None of them else did. Yeah, it was only in Return of the Living Dead when you hear him scream brains and they can talk. And they have sentience of some sort. Yes. This actually alarms Rhodes to actually see a zombie talk. You see him get terrified when he realizes that they can outthink him because he can't think. Yeah, right. And we find out that Bub was once some form of military man as Bub actually salutes Rhodes the minute he sees him when Rhodes drops something or whatever to get his attention. Yep. After this, Doc then asks Sarah for a handgun, which he requests that she unloads. He walks over to Bub and hands it to him after saluting him. Bub picks up the gun, recognizes what it is, cocks it, and 
aims it at Rhodes. He pulls the trigger, which is a dry click. And then I swear to God, he looks that it's like he is sad that it does not actually fire and shoot Rhodes. Oh, he definitely is. He's like, oh, fuck. I'm bummed out. I think he's more disappointed he didn't get to hear the bang. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? He shrinks in actual fear. You actually see him cowering like a child that gets yelled at when Rhodes aims the gun directly at his head. Doc steps in to stop him, and that leads to our next clip. What are we supposed to do? Teach him tricks? What the fuck is wrong with you people? They're dead! They're fucking dead, and you want to teach them tricks? They have to be rewarded, Ken. Why else will they do what we want them to do? I don't want them to do anything but drop over! Yes, well, apparently they're not inclined to do that for you, Ken. Is this your progress? Is this the shit that's supposed to knock our socks off? It's the beginning, yes. It's the bare beginning of social behavior. Civilized behavior. Civil behavior is what distinguishes us from the lower forms. what enables us to communicate, to go about things in an orderly fashion without attacking each other like beasts in the wild. Civility must be rewarded, Captain. If it isn't rewarded, there's no use for it. There's just no use for it at all. (laughs) And this is what we were kind of talking about. Yeah. Now, Frankenstein's look at how to deal with the problem, because the zombies work as a dual allegory here. They are the populace that they don't know what to do with because of nuclear proliferation and the problems with nuclear war. Yeah. But at the same time, they are also that threat. Yes. Because they are a constant threat that never goes away. Even though it's slow moving, it will eventually get you and kill you just like nuclear radiation after the fallout. Yep. Now, the neat idea is everything that Frankenstein says is how your system of government, regardless of whatever it is that you pick, uses various tactics to control you. Yes. They reward you for being good little boys and girls. And when you're not, they punish you. And if you continue to not do what they want, they even eliminate you like Frankenstein does. Yes. Frankenstein is like ultra fucking left, like as far left as you can fucking get to where you start getting into the evil side of the left. Yeah, right. Because it does have its spectrum as well. Oh, of course it does. As George Carlin says, same asshole, different side of the road. Right. And what's really funny is Rhodes is ultra right, like as far right as you possibly can get into it. But the thing that's interesting is it still creates fascism. When you get that far, it creates a circle where you do come back around to the same type of asshole who is manipulating and treating other people like less than. And that's what we're actually seeing here. Even living human beings, their death means nothing to Frankenstein as long as it serves his purpose and gets his means justified to get the end of what he's looking for. Yeah. And he has lost his goddamn mind just as bad as Rhodes has. Oh, of course he has. Which is really interesting that the push and pull that's happening between Rhodes and the doc is locked in a sort of back and forth that never produces anything Mm -hmm. because they're both ultra left and ultra right. Whereas Sarah's right down in the middle trying to get cooperation, trying to get people to work together and trying to benefit the better of everyone. I don't know where Sarah would lean on the scale of what I'm talking about, but I am confident that the doc represents the ultra left and that Rhodes represents the ultra right. God, why does that seem like such a familiar story now? (laughs) It's because it's never changed from the day that this came out. Oh, you mean because it's happening right now? We're getting nothing done because the way far right, the way far left can't work together? Well, yeah. And and you can't go into politics anymore in the middle because if you don't side with your party, they won't help you get reelected. And now politics is big business. Yes, and also politics is not in the business of making things better. They're only in the business of lining their pockets in this society, yes. Which is what we're kind of seeing. Everybody grabbing power left and right. This movie is even more pertinent now than it was when it came out. You know, we really need an anarchy. (laughs) I'll run it. You can't. 
can't run anarchy. After this, they cut to pulling out more dumb fucks from the pus fuck corral. I wish I would have called it that earlier in my notes. Yeah, right? I love it. Steel makes sure that Miguel has the dumb fuck. Like, he asks him a couple of times, and you actually see a slight amount of concern where Steel realizes that yeah. he needs to be kind to Miguel for a moment. Yeah, he even lays in his out. Are you okay? You know, he, yeah. he still has an asshole tone to him. It's like, you got it? Yeah, you, you got, got this. You got this. Like, and also, maybe part of it, maybe not even being an asshole, part of, it, part of it trying to pump him up, you know, like, come on, motherfucker, let's do this. You got this, you know. And like, actually, Miguel does have it. He gets a hold of that dumb fuck. He's got it under control. But this time, the rotten ass fucking collar around its neck yeah. breaks. Yeah, this is not Miguel's fault at all. No. It breaks open and it charges towards Miller, ripping out his throat werewolf style. And I'm going to say gnashing werewolf style. It goes right for those sweet, sweet neck meats. Yep, yep. The shock and the pain, I'm assuming, is what causes Miller to shoot the sweet-looking Greg Nicotero dead, and then also puts a bunch of bullets in the fucking priest zombie, but nobody cares. Yeah. And by zombie, I mean puss fuck. <laughs> and by puss fuck, I mean dumb fuck. Yeah. I'm using fuck as much as possible in my notes I'm... because it's used as much as possible in the script. Fucking A. <laughs> so Greg Nicotero gets shot dead with a burst of friendly misfire. This unleashes the puss fuck priest, which Miguel then paperclips moments out screaming, I didn't do it, going to attack the priest and trying to knock him down. And then because he's fucking freaking out, he actually allows himself to get bitten from being a pretty much dumb, panicky asshat. That was a decent effect, too, the arm bite. Yes. Yeah. They, they actually, the fake arm, the way that they did it is they had that all cut out ahead of time, and then it was basically just a blood-soaked sponge the guy bit out. Yeah. And that to reveal the effect. It looked awesome. They did yeah. a really good job there. Miller begs Steel to kill him, saying, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be like them. Miller's death really fucking bums me out. Yeah, right? It's such a down note where he's just like, please take me. I don't want to be like them. Yeah. I don't want to be like them. Don't let this happen to me. And you're just so sad. Yeah. And Miller never really does anything to anybody. He's just kind of there like I'm doing my job and he just kind of goes with the flow. Really? There's a few military guys there who are just going with, with the flow. It's Nicotero's character and Miller who both die here. So all that's yeah. left are the psychopath fascist well, assholes. Well, I thought like the, one of the other guys who we'll talk about the very end who has a beard. Torres. Torres. Yeah. I don't. He never did anything asshole. He's always kind of just lounging about. He's just following orders, which uh, makes him complacent. Yeah. I, the other guys don't participate in that and actually looked a little shocked with what Rhodes is doing. And they're like ready to step up and be like, no, this is bad. Yeah. I think if he would have actually, like if Steel would have actually gone to shoot, they would have done something from there and maybe Rhodes. I just don't think, uh, but I think like that same guy is the same guy where if somebody would have shot Rhodes, he'd still just be laying on the table like, oh, oh well, he's dead. I think, <laughs> I think he was, he went to, he already went to Island Lounge mode without ever getting onto the island. Yeah, there's a lot of marijuanas being consumed by those two guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that guy, he gets all the way to the end before being surrounded, unfortunately. But he also gets his ass kicked, so. Miller begs Steel to kill him, which Steel does, and then Sarah ends up chasing after Miguel, who in his paperclips moment is running away. I pulled some audio of him screaming because it's really powerful. All right. He's like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. Who in the fuck took my paperclips? You can really hear it, like he feels like he's going to be blamed like this, even though it's not really his fault. It was a broken fucking collar. Send that clip in the academy. That should have been a nod. Who in the fuck took my 
my paperclip. Yeah, he's you really, really. That, that should have been an Oscar nod right there, just for that scene. Sarah chases after Miguel to the Ritz, where John catches him. Sarah lays Miguel out with a rock, hitting him across the back of the head like two or three times before he goes out. Not the most efficient way to knock somebody in the brain pan. No. She then grabs John's machete to chop off the infected arm, which is another one of those cutout machete effects, which is awesome. Still a great, a great effect. I would submit to you it's probably the same machete from Don. I would not be surprised if he still had that. Yeah. John makes a tourniquet out of grabbing some type of sturdy rag that he's trying to twist up to make a tourniquet, and he ties off the arm to try and staunch the blood, but Sarah says, we need to burn it, or we need a torch, or we need fire, or something along those lines. Well, they have to... No, she says we need fire. Yeah. She then uses her button-up shirt she has around her to make a torch with Billy gassing it up for her and lighting it up with his Zippo lighter. Sarah burns the wound, which snaps Miguel to with a scream of pain and the sizzling in that soundtrack. Oh, that is fucking awesome. Yeah, that scene is really fucking gut-wrenching. He starts screaming before he passes out again from the pain, and just as that happens, the fascist asshats step in, demanding to be able to kill Miguel because he is gonna be a pus fuck, and that leads to our next clip. Get out of the way, baby. No, I amputated the infected area. I think I caught it in time. Yeah? But what if you didn't? If I didn't, I'll shoot him myself. Yellow son of a bitch, it's his fault this happened. It's his yellow fucking fault. Get out of the way, bitch, or I'll go right through you with this. We're getting to make this a habit, man. Pointing guns at each other, you know. We just lost two men because of this motherfucker. Well, that kind of evens the odds between us then. He's been bit, Captain. We gotta blast him, he's been bit. I got the infection in time. That's bullshit, lady. I've seen a thousand of them. He's gonna die. If he dies, I'll destroy him myself. Unless he gets you first, you may still want to sleep with him. I don't want him inside the complex. We'll keep him out here with us. We gotta blast him, Captain. Thought it'd be doing him a favor, Steele. You think he wants to walk around after he's dead? You think he wants to be one of those things? Think about it, lady. And think about this, Ollie. From now on, you ain't getting shit from me and my men. Tomorrow morning, we're going inside that corral, and we ain't coming out till every one of those rotten piles of garbage has been wasted. Come on, Steele. Get out of there, Steele! We got better things to do! You're on my shit list, flyboy. Thank you. Let's take him inside. Clean him up. Think you can move him. I think so. Referring to the helicopter pilot as Flyboy, a little little bit of a callback. Oh, yeah. Now, this is what I would consider Tom Savini's crowning achievement for special effects. I would think so. This is, I don't don't think it ever got better than this, Mm -hmm. regardless of what he did after it. I think this is like the finest work. Yeah. There's a very specific reason why the work in this film is so good, though. Why is that? He had three specific apprentices working for him, or just like, not necessarily apprentices, but people that worked beneath him that were doing effects. Um, Second crew that also did the effects yeah. as well. Did the How about this? Effects. Employees, if they worked underneath right. them. Yeah. So. They, they were also being trained, and I will admit that a lot of what they learned from Savini is what makes the business what it is today. Yeah. Those three gentlemen, Howard Berger, uh, Kurtzman, mm-hmm. Nicotero, yes. rearranged that. You got KNB effects. Oh, yeah. They learned at the foot of Savini on this film and several other projects that they worked with him. Uh-huh. The reason that Nicotero actually got hooked up with Savini is because he went and approached 
Romero at a restaurant somewhere that he was out with his family and just introduced himself, talked about how he was such a huge fan and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And somehow Romero ended up hooking him up with Savini and that's how Nicotero got into this. Nice. As far as I understand it, those three gentlemen met from working under Savini or working with Savini or however you want to put it mm-hmm. on this film and then other films as well. They've been doing this for quite a while. This is a crowning achievement because of the three young talents that were learning at what Tom Savini is doing and elevating it in such a way that you had not seen previously. No, yeah. Savini was definitely an out-of-kick guy. He did a lot more stuff where he started doing molds and all of that kind of stuff. But these guys took what they learned from him and elevated it to an art form that we had not seen in in all sorts of ways. Now, I'm not going to talk down about other special effects because obviously Stan Winston is the fucking god Yeah, when it comes to special effects. And we're not going to talk bad about Rick Baker and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's a certain niche type of gore effect that for my money when it comes to horror, if you hire K&B for it, you're going to get it. I mean, their first job was Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Need I say more? No, not that at all. That was even before they were K&B. I'm pretty sure that was their first official job before they became K&B. What niche is it, do you think? Gore. Like, go, just, just straight, straight up, up gore. insane gore. Like, you need somebody ripped in half, you want to call these guys. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And they got much better at creature effects and all of that kind of stuff, but the thing that these guys do, their bread and butter and what they do well, is the destruction of the human body in such a believable way, it makes you want to vomit. Yes. They picked that up from Savini. Nice. Now, again, this is all my opinions. I'll, I'll gladly take whatever discussions anybody else wants to have about it in the group or feedback or anything mm-hmm. like that, but that's just my opinion. I don't think anybody does the disgusting, realistic, gross-out fucking gore like K&B because that's their bread and butter and that's what they were the best at. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> okay, so with this at the end of the clip, Sarah finally collapses and breaks down herself with the weight of everything that has happened. She has been obviously projecting an air of strength as a protective coating Oh yeah, when she was also collapsing from stress. This whole fucking unit is collapsing from stress. Well, and also, okay, I mean, this guy was her pogo stick, but she probably really, really cared. You can tell that she really cared about him and all this, and now she's just had to chop his arm off. Well, and also they had just had a huge fight, and it was a breakup and all that guilt yeah. laying on top of her with that. And then also, I mean, I don't care how far you've made it into this apocalypse, but if she's just a scientist, Lord knows she probably hasn't had to cut any live person's arm off and then cauterize the wound like that out in a field like that. Let alone someone that she's cared about in some yeah. way. So, I mean, form. maybe she was strong all the way up to this point, and now it's like that was finally the part that broke her. I think it was just under the surface bubbling and bubbling and bubbling, and she was hiding it and tamping it down and pretending like it wasn't there and projecting that air of strength when she was slowly but surely being chipped away at as well. Yeah. And I think it was manifesting in the headaches and other things that she was self-medicating to try and deal with the stress, and basically her body was lying to her about the headaches. Maybe. All right, so she ends up collapsing and having a very good cry into John's shoulder as John attempts to soothe her. Billy helps Sarah make Miguel as comfortable as possible once they move him inside. John gives Sarah a new shirt that she will be wearing for the rest of the film, and Bill offers to go with Sarah when she gets the medical supplies to try and make Miguel more comfortable and the morphine and things he will need when he wakes up. Because A, he just lost an arm, and B, it just got bitten the fuck off. Yes. And there's a big burnt-up stump at the end of it. Ugh. His nerves have to be going insane right now. Oh, yeah. Apologies are spoken all around, and fences are mended between Sarah and John before Billy escorts Sarah to get the much-needed supplies. John states that if they are not back in 30 minutes, the pizza is free. 
<laughs> I mean, that he will come to find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> they dissolve from this to Frankenstein's lab and an alien-looking corpse as Billy looks into a weird tank of some sort of weird baby pus fuck aborted fetus thing in yeah. a tank. Yeah. And it's all emaciated and looks an awful lot like some concentration camp footage that yeah. I didn't want to think about, but I did, and I'm really fucking creeped out by how much fucking Frankenstein is like the Joseph Mengele of zombies. Uh-huh. Jesus Christ. Ugh. Billy gets some blood on his hand, which he then pulls off a sheet to reveal the severed head of Greg Nicotero's pus fuck corpse. It's right. alive, and he's done some weird electrodes. Yep. It's looking around. Its eyes are darting. It's very clearly conscious of what's happening, and it looks very much in pain and torment. Oh, yeah. This final atrocity sends Sarah into her own paper clips moment. Who in the fuck took my paper clips? As she smashes the recorder of what is very clearly Frankenstein talking like a crazy asshole. Talking about his mommy. Yeah, and just basically torturing a zombie when it won't behave and trying to get it to behave and it's very clearly not doing what he wants it to do. Yeah. She almost shoots the Zed head when Billy stops her saying it will only bring out the fascists and to leave it be. He decides it's time to flee with the helicopter before someone else does. They follow Frankenstein down the hall to watch him working with Bub, calling himself Other. Yep. You do hear that. Oh yeah. Frankenstein reaches up to adjust Bub's headphones. Bub grabs his arm and looks at it as though he may take a bite very menacingly. He then grabs it with the other arm and it looks like he's actually going to do it. But then he looks at Frankenstein and Frankenstein looks back at him and Frankenstein shows actual fear. Bub realizes that he is scaring Frankenstein, shows legitimate empathy and lets him go and then trusts him to adjust the headphones. Yes. Doc plays Ode to Joy by trying to train him with the whole finger in the air and then showing him the play button on the tape. The playing of Ode to Joy delights Bub to no end while it is actually playing. Then the doc shows the finger going down once again to hit the stop button and then he tries to train Bub to do the same thing and he actually gets Bub to hit the play button. It works and the look of sheer joy on Bub's face is absolutely amazing. Oh yeah, he loves it. He was a classical music guy. The doc offers a reward and feeds Bub the bucket oh dead fascist. Let's not pretend that that's not what it is. Yeah, right. Sarah and Billy are both shocked and horrified but run into Rhodes when they try to flee who sees this and has his own paperclips moment. Who in the fuck took my paperclips? In our final clip. Good night, Bob. What are you giving him in there, Frankenstein? What is it, huh? What are you giving him? Scum! You must listen to me, Captain. You must listen! Listen to this. Hold it, Fisher. Torres, get his gun. Take all the guns. All All their fucking guns. Take all their guns. All their guns. Those are my men in there. My men. Those are my men in there! It's been 30 minutes, so John goes looking for the missing pizza. I mean, Billy and Sarah. (laughs) And McGill wakes up to act like a complete fucking asshat coward. Yeah. Rhodes goes looking for John, and a Mexican standoff happens as Rhodes states he will murder Fisher if John does not comply to fly them out of the complex. John disarms, including the machete. John states that he will not leave with 
only the fascists. And before he finishes the statement, Fisher is shot through the brain pan in cold blood. John Amplis exits the screen. Sarah screams no. Rhodes commands Steele to put Sarah and Billy into the pus fuck corral. John offers to take them, but only if he lets them out and doesn't do this. He orders Steele to beat the fuck out of John, and Bill grabs a big three by four. At least that's what I gauge it as because it looked much bigger than a two by four. Right. To use as a club, and they run for the tower that is stated to be at the back of the pus fuck corral. Steele continues to beat the ever loving fuck out of John, and Rhodes tries to break John with this beating. This is interrupted by the sound of Miguel taking the elevator up to the ground level. They cut from this to Bub figures out how to unchain himself from the wall because he's like licking at the blood or whatever that was on the chain. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, he must have gotten some blood on the chain he was like, hey man, gotta gotta eat it all. Hey, midnight snack, you know, flavor saver. That's chain licking good. Brilliant. I like that. But basically, he's fooling around with the chain by licking on it and everything, and then he realizes there's like a little clip thing that he can undo, which he absolutely does. Well, he actually does it on accident, but he was just kind of like, that's what he looked at it. was like, well, holy shit. Yeah, he figures it out by accident, Whoops. but still he looks at it and realizes that that's what he did. They cut away from that to Billy and Sarah run into a rock slide, which has closed off the straight run to the end of the Pusfuck Corral where the tower ladder is. They have to find another route. They are minor sworn when Sarah grabs at a shovel to arm herself and is ambushed by a Zed that is buried underneath a pile of the rocks from the pilot. Yes. It's actually the actual fucking guy that was like the miner or whatever that was digging this shit out or something. Yeah. Where that pile in was at. They fight off the pus fucks with a terrific shovel by heading. Yeah, th- that was actually awesome. They built a radio controlled head yep. and then they cut out a shovel to fit over the actor that they sculpted the top of the head from yep. and that's how they got the eyes moving with the actor there. That was one of the that main... That one was super dangerous because they had to cut it out around the lips and like the, yeah. the corners of the mouth. That was when I remember on the documentary I watched of this when they were showing how that one was done. They had to be very, very careful. careful. But yeah. I mean, it was one of the cooler effects. Yeah, it is amazing how they did it. And the radio controlled eyes and everything when the head's upside down still looks great. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. They also have a scene where Sarah for some reason ends up getting the three by four that Billy dropped when he grabs the shovel to do this. And she ends up clobbering a zombie in the head where it bounces off the back wall and you see blood come out from both sides. They cut from this to Rhodes is jumped by John, who is a total fucking badass when needing to be. He tackles him, lays him the fuck out, and pulls out both of the sidearms that he has cowboy style on either side of his ribs. Yeah. Cocking them pointed directly at Rhodes's chest. He only stops from killing him when he sees the dead Fisher nearby and realizes that would make him just as bad as Rhodes. Yep. They cut from this to Steele and Rickles find the control box that Miguel destroyed. They themselves have a paperclips moment trying to argue over whether or not it can be fixed. Here we go. Who in the fuck took my paperclips? Yeah, you totally hear Rickles fix it. I fix mean, it. Yeah, I mean, they are panicking. Yeah. They cut from that to Rhodes and Torres come to to find out they have no weapons thanks to John and his badassery. They cut from that to John heads into the pus fuck corral and starts killing his way to his friends. Billy drops his flask to kill a pus fuck and then loses the last of his booze. I'm pretty sure he's going to have to dry up after this. Yeah, that's actually the saddest part of the whole movie. Yeah, if you're a booze hound, I would see 
that. Yeah. John continues to one shot, one kill almost every Zed. He only uses two bullets on one of them. Yeah. And that's so it can spin around so you can see the brain come out of the front of the head as a different effect. He was just doing us a solid for yeah, that second so that shot. Yeah, so we could see it, absolutely. Yeah. They cut from this to Miguel opens a pus fuck floodgate, which is essentially the actual chain link fence that they're all bound up to there. Yeah. And leads them over to the elevator, a.k.a. freight lift, whatever you want to call it. Makes some strange hybrid prayer motion. Did you notice that? Where he, like, yeah. crosses himself, he prays to Mecca, he does all that stuff. It's in this point when I realized that every medal or medallion that's around his neck is for a different type of faith. Yeah. So he's basically praying to any god that will have him this mm-hmm. entire time from the stress. Yep. So Miguel represents religion trying to seek comfort in this time. Yes. And how that fails you. Oh, big time. Yeah. Because he then kneels down on top of the elevator slash freight lift, whatever you want to call it, after he leads them all over there and makes those strange motions. He puts all of the medallions into his mouth, which seems to me like religion has to eat its words in this scenario. (laughs) And he is then feasted upon by pus fucks and endures it in order to get as many on the platform as possible. The screaming he does in that is amazing. Oh, it's like, uh, you never get to see him torn apart. Like, you know, there's no, you just feel it. From there's just screaming. no gore. There's no blood. There's no nothing. Yeah. But well, there's a couple bites that you see when he initially lays yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. But bad. even then, it's not so bad. It's like the, his arm bite earlier was way worse to look at, but you can just imagine it because you've seen it before, you know, that he's just getting torn apart alive. Yeah, that entire sequence relies entirely on the actor playing McGill, doing that and making it sound convincing, and he fucking nails it. Oh, yeah. They cut from this to Rhodes finds out that Miguel fucked up the lift slash elevator when he is updated upon arrival at its location. They spout off a shitload of fucking racial slurs, and we see a feeding frenzy on Miguel when they cut back, who then presses the button finally in pain and screaming. I think he just basically held them there as long as he was conscious enough to realize, and then when he gave up on... To make sure there's as many on the platform as possible. Yeah. Fucking Miguel. Fucking Miguel. Which, as you can see, religion is what sabotages all of the peoples and kills them all. That's what Miguel represents. Miguel then presses the button to bring the pus fuck elevator down to the fascist buffet. Nice. Yeah. The soldiers pay Panic and run at the sight of countless pus fucks. My favorite part is when the elevator is just starting to come down and the one sort of steps forward and then falls off. Yeah, was that like a mean to or was that just some extra who's like, I'm going to be important, fuck. I kind of remember in the documentary where the guy falls and they ask, is he okay, is he okay? And then he gets up and they're like, okay, he's okay, keep going, keep going or something like so that. So it must have just been he like decided to walk off and either bit it on purpose or just misjebbed misjudged the steps. Something like that. I don't know what the reason was, but they all got, he got up and they kept moving and it was just brilliant and it's kind of funny and it has a little Dawn of the Dead moment there. But also it's exactly how you feel it. If the dead saw two living people and all they want is food, they wouldn't wait for that thing to close down. They don't start bum rushing like right away. Probably, yes. I mean, you know. Yeah, especially if they've been So that actually made perfect sense to me. That's why I never knew if it was just some some extra who decided to take the law into his own hands that day or if Romero was like grabbed one of the you know somebody maybe who has some sort of stunt person you know and goes we're gonna put you in makeup and I want you to walk off early and just take a header right down there. That I don't know I just yeah. know I'm kind of remembering I don't know if that's accurate. Now another yeah. thing that I remember from this the way that they did that lift is they actually cut to them coming down in such a way to where the background is blocked off where you can't see but behind that 
lift, there is a fuck ton more zombies, like yeah. people in makeup to be zombies waiting. Uh-huh. So that when the lift comes all the way down and then they move forward, they have another wave to make it look like there's even more. That's awesome. Piled on there. I loved, they did a really good job with I that. loved in that scene when it first starts coming down and they see all the, the shitheads uh, standing on it. <laughs> it uh, fucking uh, steal. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Like, like, just, oh, shit. Life's over. You know, we're yeah. probably not getting out of this one. You can just see the string going out of all their spines. Yep. Rhodes hops into a golf cart and takes the quick route to the complex, abandoning the men he pretended to care so much about. I know, right? Like a true fucking leader. Yep. He gets into the complex and locks the door behind him like the fucking true fucking coward leader that he is. And now, even worse, we're starting to see the dead from the corrals. Yeah, because John, John left, left it, it open. open. Yeah. So now everyone's getting fucked from both Multiple sides. angles, yeah. Yeah, because at first you maybe just outrun the ones coming down, but now you're going to run right into the ones coming out of the caves. Yeah, so. they're surrounded on all sides, and yeah. that's why Rhodes locked the door, to try and give himself even it, more time. And even more so, something I thought about while watching it, if the ones in the caves are learning, well then, with you know the three in there and they're shooting, because they've gotten their guns down, they're shooting, that's going to scare the rest of them out of the actual corral. They won't head towards the gunshots, because they've kind of learned that that's not good, so they're going to even head out now, and that pushes even more of them out, is what I thought. And the sounds of the men panicking and running and yeah. screaming and everything is going to draw them in even more. Yes. yes, yes. So, I mean, they have like twofold against them. They cut from this back to Bub, who tries to show the doc he figured out how to get the chain uh, loose from its hook, which is extremely sad because he realizes the doc is dead, and you actually see him visibly mourn this loss. Yes. He actually is throwing the chain around and is just wailing in pain as if he is the mother at a funeral. The doc was his best friend. Yeah. Well, and also surrogate mom. Yes. He visibly mourns this loss and then in mid-morning sees a gun and immediately switches over to get ready for revenge when the clearly soldier training kicks in. They didn't draw first blood. We didn't draw first blood. They drew first blood. They cut from this to Torres runs across a bunch of stacked up pallets and is snagged by the Zeds. They rip at his throat and pull away his head, stretching out his vocal cords, causing the pitch of his scream to shift upward. That was so awesome. Until they completely snap and you hear it. It's so fucking brutal. It is brutal. And also, they take his head off by his eye sockets. Yeah, one of the one of the Zeds reaches down in. They bowling ball him. Important to note, the zombie hands that are doing a lot of the work with the effects for the eyeball tear and the head being pulled away, Uh, that's usually Tom Savini at at the start of it doing the main action and then the other guys following directions. It's usually the effects crew that's doing all of that. That's awesome. That's why they all zoom in close up. Yeah. They cut from this to Rickles snaps trying to run away and starts hysterically laughing before being pulled down by the pus fucks. And he has a gun who you, you know, that's how you know he would say it. He has a gun where he could easily have blown his own brains out being surrounded and not have to worry about, you know, being torn apart alive. But I mean, he was laughing when he went down. So I'm assuming he was having a good time. He's truly gone fishing. It's not yeah. laughing because he's enjoying himself. It's laughing because he's so yeah. out of it with insanity that he's just, that's the only reaction he has. Yep. One of the Zeds rips his eyelid and forehead skin away. Oh. They then cut to show one of them biting the tips of his fingers off down to like the third knuckle yep. and eat them while it's doing it. And then they cut back and you see the eyeball being plucked out and eaten. Again, Savini's yep. hands. Yep. They cut from this to steal, makes it to the complex door, wastes 
tons of ammo everywhere. Yes. Finds the locked door, bashes on it, calls Rhodes a bastard, then shoots the fuck out of the door with, again, way too many bullets. He runs through the hallway, pursued by tons of pus fucks, and encounters Bub. He is out of bullets, so he ducks into a lab and reloads his sidearm. That's the one thing that fucking Steel does right. Yes. When his sidearm runs out of bullets, he holsters it because he knows he has more. He just doesn't have time to use it right now. He starts talking smack at Bub, aiming his pistol at the silhouette outline of his head. Come here, Bub. But is then swarmed by Zeds. One gets him in the neck, so he starts killing the ones coming near him until the realization of his ultimate fate sets in. He realizes there is no hope, and immediately Kurt Cobains himself. (laughs) He had his then-wife hire somebody to kill him? Sure. Okay. Cut to Billy and Sarah are swarmed, but badass John shows up just in time and arms them as they mow down all of the pus fucks, once again, wasting a fuck ton of bullets when they say they're low on ammo. Well, I mean, at this point, though, they have to get out, so. Yeah, but, I mean, they're not that close. They could control burst, man. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I know it fucking looks awesome, and that's why they're doing it, but still, control burst, man. (laughs) They get to the tower and find the elevator is broken, which Billy states, temporarily out of service. So they have to climb the ladder because obviously they had to climb the ladder in Dawn. Let's reuse that. Yeah, right. And because it's fucking badass to see zombies coming at you while you have to climb very slowly because Sarah climbs as slow as fucking hell. (laughs) I know. Hey, listen, uh, can we pick up, I don't know, the uh, fucking pace? They pause occasionally to shoot the occasional pus fuck that pops up, one of which almost gets John because he is out of bullets, but Billy saves his ass for once, stating they are counting on him to fly them to the promised land as they climb more. They cut from this to Bub encounters Rhodes, who neglected to load his rifle. Looks like the training didn't kick in there. Yeah, right. He tries and fails while Bub hits him somewhere in the upper back, and from the looks of it, it partially paralyzes him. He must have gotten some part of his spine. Yeah. Or enough of the muscles must have torn to where he can't stand upright and his arm becomes useless. Yeah. This causes Rhodes to hobble off screaming you pus fuck, and yes, that's where I got it from because I think that's the most brilliant way to call a zombie out. Exactly. At Bub. Bub gets another shot off, dropping Rhodes to the ground. Rhodes starts crawling, then somehow pulls himself up to his feet. And it's here where I kind of gain a little bit of respect for Rhodes. Yeah. He hobbles along the wall, covered in blood, screaming, come on, you pus fuck, come on, come on. Then he opens the door that he was trying for, only to find a shitload of pus fucks there on the other side. He screams in abject terror. He turns, screaming once again, like he would run away, but is shot again by Bub in the gut, and you know Bub did that on purpose. Oh, yeah. He gut shot him because he knows that would make it hurt worse, and it would be just enough to incapacitate him, and it also makes it to where he can't scream. And he's gonna have to be alive while he's torn apart. Yes. Which pushes him into the pus fuck horde. Bub salutes at Rhodes as he falls down, looks at his gun, then turns and walks away. Rhodes is literally ripped in half by zombies that pull out his guts, and I gotta point out, uh, those guts were in a fridge over the weekend that got unplugged. Yep. They were cow guts and they started to rot. Yes. So they were looking for just about anything that they could throw in there to extend the cow guts even more. Uh, One of them is a rubber chicken. Uh, they stated that they did not put the rubber chicken in there, but I would submit to you the first thing that gets pulled out of there looks like a rubber chicken covered in blood. Right. It's very quick, but I've paused it in high def and I'm convinced that is the rubber chicken that they the, did end up having to use it. And all the, the zombie characters got to have like things up their noses because they're all in heavy makeup and yeah they had like old old leather 
or old English. Yeah, no, but, no, like English leather or something like that. Some yeah, type of cologne. Poor, poor Rhodes. Poor yeah. Rhodes. Joe Pilato. Joe, yeah, poor Joe. He, uh, he, he was on camera, so he couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't have nothing, so he had to sit there with that shit. Well, they put a rag of it soaked underneath him in yeah. between when they were trying to do the takes yeah. and stuff like that. But Joe Pilato is a fucking trooper for tolerating that. He was amazing. Yeah. So Rhodes is literally ripped in half by zombies that pull out his guts and begin eating them as he screams, Joe Choke on it. Choke on it. He says choke on um. Choke on him. Yeah. With his very last breath, the last words that he says is choke on him to the zombies. That is what makes me gain respect for fucking Rhodes once again. One of my favorite uh, camera shots, though, is when he looks and they're pulling his legs away, his lower body away from him. And the way they shot it, so it's kind of almost like first person view of your own lower body being taken away. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, that's not good. They cut from this to the only Romero cameo in this film. There is a Zed pushing a cart at the start of the very last piece of the feeding frenzy. Yeah. And if you look, the signature lucky scarf that the director likes to wear. Yes. It's hanging from a, like a hip sort of area Uh and it's right in frame and it's like a guy with jeans pushing a cart. So you can actually see that. Then we see various cuts to my favorite feeding frenzy of all time. I can't take the time to describe every single one of them, but you see them eating off the bone, all of that kind of stuff. Yes. The thing that makes this my favorite for the entire series is the starved pus fucks are breaking their fast with fascist fuckheads. <laughs> and then also what makes it awesome is in the background you can actually hear no sounds other than the moaning of the dead echoing yeah. through the cave and then the sounds of like eating with that echoing going on in the background. This just delves into more of that sound of the dead moaning as it echoes through the cave and it just leaves you with that hollow empty feeling there. Yep. And that's where the movie should have ended. Really should have. But they cut from this to Sarah and the boys unlocking a gate and making a charge for the helicopter, hoping its gas tank was filled the other night. Sarah goes to jump in where a bunch of pus fuck hands jump out and grab at her when she opens the door to the helicopter. She wakes up to a beach by the helicopter and sees John fishing and Billy working on what I think is a radio or something like that. Yep. As she grabs her calendar, we see it is well into the very first week of November as she marks down another day. Roll credits. Okay, so first thing first, I like to think that we see them get up top and they go charging towards the helicopter. And the thing that happens where we see at the very end where it's supposed to be Sarah waking up from another nightmare. Yeah. I actually like to think that the zombies get her and her mind collapses in on itself and takes her to this happy place where they survive and everything's fine as she's being ripped apart so she doesn't have to suffer the pain. And I go with that. Actually, they got to the helicopter with no problems and like the the hand thing didn't actually happen. They get in, they take off. That's just a nightmare she continuously has. That's the trauma that that's, will never go away. Yeah, that's that whole hands reaching out for you thing, which is her big fear. Now, regardless of how you feel whether or not this ending happened the way that I say or the way that Matt said, this is not a happy ending even though the characters that you fall in love with survive. No, they're stuck on an island. Who knows what kind of weather they'll get. They have probably no real shelter. Yeah. That helicopter has to probably be fucking dead by now. 
Uh, as we will see later on, the water is no deterrent from the Zeds. No. Well, from certain Zeds. But. If they learn, yeah, then they're in pretty much big fucking trouble. All it takes is one. Yep. And they will follow them. Yep. And the other thing is, too, one of them passes away in his sleep, and I'm looking at Billy because he's a heavy drinker. Yeah. And he's a little bit older than John. All it takes is for him to pass in his sleep, and in a matter of minutes, the other two are dead anyway. Well, I thought. And these may be the last three people. No. You don't have to be bit in a Romero universe to. Romero specifically states that, and they show it later on in the director's cut of Land of the Dead. Oh, really? Anyone who dies will come back. It's just that if you get bitten, you come back even faster. Ah. That is something that Romero stated. He never made it explicit in these first three films. I gotcha. But anyone who dies will come back. Oh, wow. You see that in Night of the Living Dead. The unburied dead are returning to life and eating the living. That's right. Not like any of them were bit. Exactly. Yeah. So, even though it feels like it's supposed to be a happy ending, it is a nihilistic, empty, hollow victory for our three quote-unquote survivors. Yeah. Because the only thing surviving in this world at this point is the dead. Yes. There is no hope. No hope. For them. Until someone builds a big truck. <laughs> well, as far as they know, they're the last ones left. As, yep. as far as the government facilities go, that's it. That's all they know. That's right. Yeah. So this is why this is my favorite of the four in the original three. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love Day of the oh, Dead. Oh, yeah. This is really good. I also love Bub for the fact that he gained his humanity back and you see empathy, you see emotion, you see things that should not be in a Zed who is supposed to be operating on pure R-complex. Mm-hmm. I believe that Bub represents Romero's modicum of hope in humanity. Yes. That there is a small amount of the populace that will be okay and that will do some good. Uh, and who's the actor who played Bub? Howard Sherman or Sherman Howard, depending right. upon how he's credited in whatever film. All right. Well, yeah, I remember reading an interview with him where he said he, he believed Bub got to the back to the surface and taught all the other dead how to eat chicken. Yeah, yeah he yeah. said that in an actual audio interview. Oh, yeah. Or a, like an on-camera interview in the documentary, he thinks, yeah. He thinks Bub went ahead and took care of the southern problem for everybody by just teaching the dead to want to eat chicken instead. <laughs> and then that hurts me because I love buffalo wings and they're going to eat them all, man. In the world where the dead have risen, chicken or lack thereof is the worst of your concerns. Well, I don't think so. You're not me. Don't dare to presume what my problems and concerns are. No, I was asking you. It's the worst of your concerns of whether or not you can get chicken <laughs> yes, wings. Yes, yes, that is it. It you, should be even worse if he was like, Ed, drink, t- tell him to want to drink beer because now, now you're fucking with my lifestyle. I would submit to you that your lifestyle has already been fucked with when the dead rise. Well, maybe. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Alright, so the last thing that I have to say about this, besides all of the glowing love that I have for it, and it's obvious from my review what I love about it. I've pointed everything out on my interpretations and all of that. Yeah. The reason that this one has an extra special place in my heart, besides the fact that the story resonates with me, there was a time, probably about, I would say sixth or seventh grade and there was a girlfriend of my, at the time of mine that was supposed to be coming over and hanging out with me. obviously you, you know at that age your parents want to watch you because you yeah. know I'm like 12, 13, 14 you know around that age that parents are terrified of what you know teenage kids yeah. will do yeah justifiably so in my case mm-hmm. finger blast <laughs> I gotcha or much worse okay okay <laughs> alright but anyway the girlfriend that I had at the time uh, was supposed to be coming over and hanging out and she was like a half hour to 45 minutes late and this is 
before cell phones, all that kind of thing. So I go to call to her house, like with her parents, and I talk to her dad, who really fucking hated me. No. Big shock. <laughs> Not nearly as much as her mother, who really fucking hated me. No. Yeah. And I find out through her father that she will not be coming to hang out with me, that actually a, an older boy who has a car had just come and picked her up, and apparently my relationship with her is over. Ow, man. Her, she had her dad break up with you? She dumped me via her father, or Fuck. was just going to ghost me. Fuck. I am obviously extremely dour. Yeah. Extremely down. Extremely depressed. Yes. I dropped the phone to hang it up yeah. on, the, on the carrier. I grabbed the remote for the TV. I flipped through the channel, and the first channel I go to is USA, and Day of the Dead is starting. Oh, nice. Had you watched it yet? No, this is the first time I had seen it at that time. This was actually the first of the series I watched cognizant of what it was. Okay. When I saw it, I knew what it was, and it was the first one that I caught, because I had seen Night of the Living Dead, but all I remembered is it scared the shit out of me. It was black and white, and I didn't remember it. Yeah. Past that. And I mean, I was a burgeoning horror fanatic, but my mom kept me away from this kind of stuff. Yes. And Day of the Dead comes on after I basically get dumped via ex-girlfriend's father giving me the message. Yeah. Much to his delight. Oh, I'm sure. And I can hear the mom laughing about it in the background. I'm depressed. I'm feeling like shit. This movie comes on and every piece of hate I have for humanity and my teenage fucking overly emotional adult brain gets dumped into the horrible shit that's having in this movie. Mm -hmm. It made it all better. Of course it did. But at the same time, it defined my hate for humanity, Matt. Okay. Hey, man. What's up with the voice? You all right over there? I'm good. (laughs) Is it weird that you just got an erection from me hearing that? Not at all. Awesome. So you have anything else you want to say about Day of the Dead? Uh, yeah, I have a few things. You um, actually took notes on this. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I have a few things that I've... A little uh, pull back behind the curtain. He's pulling up his own notes. Yep, yep. I love that you actually prepared for this. Yeah, well, I mean, this this whole series is kind of important to me. Um, so let's see. This came out in 1985. Let's see here. I think it was around 1986. And I don't know what channel it was on. I don't know if it was on one of the movies networks yet or what because this is about a year after it came out but i remember i still lived in a smaller town and not even in wisconsin in a very different state and but i remember because i was little i was probably first grade oh wow this is not a sort of film you should watch in first grade no and it i didn't watch it but there's a scene i remember and it still sticks with me from even back then that's why i know this movie is the scene where john's crawling up the ladder my dad was watching the movie on i don't know what he was at we were at home i don't know what channel it was the middle of the day uh, it was on a weekend day and my dad was watching this movie and i walked into the room at the time when john's crawling up the ladder and one of the the uh, pus bags grabs his leg and he shoots it yeah and then he looks at the gun and ditches it for some reason it's still one of the earliest memories i have <laughs> so i was like i don't know what the fuck i just saw but i know i should leave the room because i'm like i should probably not be watching this it's like your it's, spookies moment basically. Yeah, yeah yeah and i turn around just walked right the fuck out <laughs> i love that that's sequence which is probably one of the more tame things in the movie yeah was so intense for you at that age that you're like i should not be watching this you knew it was something that was but forbidden for you as a first grader <laughs> yeah you know and it's so weird that's still such a hazy memory in my but i have that memory of i can memorize the living room the setup we had my dad was just sitting on the couch i don't even know if my dad was watching the full movie when i walked in or if he was just clicking through stuff yeah but there it was 
So it's like when I saw Night of the Living Dead before I even knew what it was. Yeah. It has that same effect on me, which is around the same age, if not younger, because I know I wasn't even in kindergarten yeah. yet when I saw it. And I never knew the name. I never knew it was Day of the Dead or anything like that. Yeah. And then one time somebody, God, I think I was in college before I ever watched Day of the Dead again. Yeah. And somebody had it and they're like, hey, let's watch Day of the Dead. And I'm like, fuck it, I don't care. And then that scene happened. I was like, holy fuck, I remember that. I remember that scene. And I go, this was that fucking movie because I've always thought about that movie yeah. ever since it because then i kind of knew what zombie movies were when you kind of grow up and stuff and you're like yeah. i'm like huh, i wonder what fucking movie that was then because i knew then when i think back on it, i'm like that was obviously a zombie that so, was 97 percent of my tape collecting and trying yeah. to find movies was finding weird shit i found on cable that i should not have been watching yeah so there's that so that's actually a fun memory and then a few other things one of my things i love about this movie that besides all the obvious stuff i'm talking about this is smaller stuff uh once again when they turn the life off on the zombie and you hear the nice little the the few of the callbacks they make um one thing i uh really liked uh or at least found funny was i don't think that's actually the gonk i think it just mimics that but it mimicked it but but you could tell that pizzicato type thing it felt very dawn of the deadish i I get what you're saying yeah Yeah. it's a little more upbeat and happy compared to the other stuff yes um one thing i really love is you can totally tell when they shot in pittsburgh compared to when they shot on location in the south from just how the zombies acted the actors they got to play zombies from people who just saw oh i could be in a movie to people who like oh my god i'm gonna be in a romero flick yeah anything above ground is florida anything below ground is pittsburgh yeah exactly yeah Uh, one of the things i wanted to point out too if you look at the way that the underground facility is built there's like linoleum floor and tile floors in certain places including um like in the hallways and stuff Uh and there's rock formations that were cut out but left there to help support the cavern or the cave and someone had to go through there and carve out and fit the linoleum chunks to the rock if you look, it's like perfectly fit yeah. in there. Some poor bastard had to go through and meticulously carve that. Ugh. He or she is my hero for patience and perseverance. That's like MVP style. Yeah, man. I know it's probably a crew of folks that yeah. did that, but you are awesome that you did that. Right? Because if you look in the sequences that are just straight cement floor, uh-huh. the cement guys didn't, or gals didn't fucking clean that shit up. Yeah, no. They just splashed it up against the rock and you see it just kind of formed there on top of the rock and just let it be. Yep. They didn't clean it up or anything like that the folks that did the tile and or linoleum stuff they cut it to fit around and it looks very nice Mm -hmm. very professional why that came to my mind i don't know other than (laughs) i would envy the patience and skill to do that exactly that's a craftsmanship right there because like i would fucking flip on the first one exactly because i flip out when i have to try and make two fucking 90 degree corners (laughs) work out when i'm cutting shit you'd be like just fuck it it's done i don't care (laughs) uh a few of the other things i liked uh, i loved in one of the clips we had when and these are just the little details that i love about this movie when john's like it's a tomb and you know you hear his his echo you then hear the dead's echo back because they could hear him yell oh yeah so you could hear like I, a, uh, you know. I truncated that down where he said it's a 14 mile tombstone yeah, yeah which is from his perspective i can totally see where it's the entirety of the records of all of the events of humanity that were deemed important at the time but don't amount to much in this new world yeah that you have 
have to cast aside your feelings for the old world because otherwise you won't survive. Yeah. Because he feels like there's no getting it back, so let's just adapt and go somewhere else to live. Uh, but yeah, that zombie moan back was just, that was awesome little touch. Because That's of course, one of the things that they're sends going a shudder to, down your spine. They're yeah. going to hear you, and then you're going to hear that. Yeah, and that does. It shuns. Like, just, you're just like, oh my God, you know, for as nice as this little outdoorsy area they built is, and this is supposed to be their home, the, the dead are still right there. He's right by dead fuck corral. Yeah. Or pus fuck corral. He's right there. That's where yeah. the Ritz is. Exactly. They stay there because it's the furthest place from the soldiers that they can get because the soldiers only come to dead like the, to get the, the bodies pus, when they the need pus them. fuck corral when they have to. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I love the fenced in area. I love that they're kind of living around the problem. There's a lot of hints of what Romero wanted to do with this. That's another thing actually we should talk about. Yeah. That, uh, the original uh, script was Ben-Hur with zombies from what Tom Savini said. Yeah. The, the original script was a lot of what land kind of ended up being a little bit. Yes. That's what he wanted for, he wasn't thinking Bunker really in Day of the Dead. He was thinking of this whole big city that's, you know, he was thinking of Land of the Dead when he was writing Day of the Dead, but he couldn't get the money for it. What he wanted to do with Day of the Dead was actually even bigger than Land of the Dead. Yeah, I mean, even bigger, yeah. even Land doesn't come, but the Land of the Dead story yes. is what he wanted in Day of the Dead. More or less, yeah, where yeah. there's the two factions and one is rising up against the other because yeah. the poor people now, are I, mistreated and all I, that stuff is and, in there too. And I don't think Dead Reckoning was a part of his original plan for Day of the Dead either. I no. think that was something that was added yeah. later. Well, the But the it was idea, more of a city than underground. The idea of the class warfare set in a city with a poverty row Hooverville built into it that's like the subservient serfs that take all the risk while the other people live on the high hog. That social commentary that fit perfectly in the time frame that it was put in and we'll get to it when we yeah. do that movie next. And that's why we talked about it earlier. That's kind of why we want to do Land of the Dead because it's kind of like Day of the Dead Part 2. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Almost. Electric Boogaloo. Kind yeah. of. But like the, the class warfare, the the way that the governing class or the bourgeoisie, I guess, if I'm using that term correctly, treats the proletariat, if I'm using that term correctly, is all baked into the stuff that he wanted to do in the original script. And Doc Frankenstein was a freedom fighter mad scientist who came up with an idea to take down the establishment. And one of the things that he did was so nitroglycerin into the body of willing participants that became human suicide bombers to take on yeah. the establishment. And they also did that to some zombies as well. There were zombies that were trained. Bub was actually a cowboy zombie. Like he was a zombie that was trained and had guns and would respond to commands. They had zombies that they had actually trained. Yeah. That they actually taught and they were feeding and training and they were actually reacting how they were supposed to react. It was this amazing. I recommend highly reading the script for Dawn of the Dead the way George intended it. Yeah. Day of the Dead, you mean? Day of the Dead. Yeah. yeah. Because the way that movie plays out in your fucking head when you read that script, you're just like, holy shit, I want to see this. Uh, exactly. And you and I both were drooling over that. And then when we started seeing details about land as it was coming out, we're like, holy shit, Matt, Matt. Yeah, you're you're like, holy shit, Court, we're, we're, we're going to get it. Do it. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. It's going to get pretty close. And it was still good. <laughs> it just wasn't quite that. I would love it if somebody could get a hold of that script, get the rights to do it, do it the way George would have done it, but like get serious money behind it. And if you could get that Day of the Dead, that'd be a remake I wouldn't mind seeing. That version of it yeah. was something that I would give a shot as long as you can get a lot of the original people back on it. And I know obviously we can't get George to do it. Yeah. But I mean, he let Savini direct the 90 or he got Savini to direct I, the 90. I would love, yeah, let's just give it to Savini and let Savini well, try to. Or Nicotero. Nicotero's yeah. become one hell of a director. Yeah, and he's got a lot of pull yeah. right now in, yes, in, yes he does. in town. So Yeah. And I hate to say it, but a lot of the Walking Dead stuff that's been popping up with some ideas that was in that script anyway. So Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, Nicotero. Yeah, just, <laughs> just saying. I'm calling you out, buddy. I love you, but fuck off with that. <laughs> you right. just want Nicotero to leave The Walking Dead. <laughs> well, he's doing Creep Show for Shutter. Yeah, he's developing another Romero property. So the thing that we're kind of hinting at and that we want to see is a distinct possibility. One of my big hopes after I read the book World War Z is that somebody like because you can never make a World War Z book movie not based on the book, not a movie. I would like no. to see it a series like you could have made it like a seven part series on a HBO Netflix limited run like the house on Haunted yeah, Hill. yeah Netflix HBO something like that like, eight to ten hour long episodes you can like what they did with the that John Qu- the John Quincy Adams docu or movie you know sort thing of, yeah. with the, that seven part thing and let Nicotero I was hoping like someone like Nicotero would get a hold of that and all that and then you know went to shit but no, I think it should be a feature length film starring Brad Pitt <laughs> <laughs> fuck this, right off with that joke and, 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 I'm telling myself fuck <laughs> right off with that joke and you see it's beautiful the zombie it's like a wave and they crawl all over each other and it's fucking amazing right no no it's no no oh <laughs> and much like the movie we're gonna end on that very downward note <laughs> We are clear. Check the gate. It's clear. Good. We have plenty of tape, but I'm going to slate it with the next setup, and it should be good. Chief, what's next for us? Well, Billy, we're going to hop in these vehicles right here and work our way south to Evan City. Going to have to check and clear out all farms on the way. We might get some volunteers once their families are in the evac centers. I know a lot of folks around here hunting buddies of mine, a lot of strong backs and dead shots along these haulers, so hoping we can sort of build up this posse and wrap this all up in the time frames we're saying. You said we're going to be at this all night. When we reach Evans City, where do we go from there? There's a crew of local folks forming a Minutemen squad and heading northwest from Johnstown. Uh, hold on a second, Billy. Hey, Bo, Danny, get them meat hooks and tell them boys to stop tossing around that old guy's head they chop off. They might get bit. Yeah, 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 you, Ricky. Stop at. He ain't no dick shiner. Now throw that head back in the bonfire. Kids. Anyway, Billy, sorry about that. We meet up with them from Johnstown on the outskirts of the sea's throat and start evacuating if this doesn't get wrapped up there. Otherwise, we meet them halfway at some point. How much longer will we pretend we have the upper hand on these ghouls? I really don't know, Billy. If they're dumb enough, we may be able to set up some grand-scale kill boxes in that throat of a point in the city and close off the bridges and tunnels, keep new ones out, and make a safe zone. Hard to say if we'll be a part of that, or if we head east toward the militia set to start at dawn in Johnstown. Them hillbillies and good old boys up that way are just going to hunt them out up there and head west so we can start sweeping back up northeast, maybe meet up in Blairsville, and head east toward Indiana and then to Holidaysburg for mayor. I'm getting reports that moonshiners just south of Johnstown are running folks out of danger zones into the hills. Sounds as though all of Somerset and Bedford counties are cleaning out the ghouls in those hills and trying to set up centers to house anyone evacuated from surrounding areas. We got hit on the wireless from some loggers who set up some traps with their modified equipment. It's also them damn shine runners that found out how easy these dead things burn up using some of that damn sire mash. 
I tell you one thing, Billy, this gets cleared up, them revenuers are going to have to give some of them signers a pass for this. I heard some tenements in Philadelphia and Jersey are holding their dead in the basements. It's compounding the problem there, and most of the coastal cities are complete anarchy. Maybe all lost completely within the day. <sighs> I know grief tears you right apart. But given what we know, that has to be the pot-licking dumbest thing I ever heard. It's bound to be a full land of these things soon enough if we don't focus and put them tears in a jar for now. That may be the best weapon these ghouls have, Chief. What's that now, Billy? They used to be our friends and loved ones. Best not to dwell on that till we get this all sorted out. Come on, Billy, get in the fornicating vehicle. Shit, son, your recorder's still running. We're going to just go ahead and take our final break here. I have no idea what our final running time is, but I'm sure it's long as shit. We're going to play the Ending Legion podcast promo ad. We're going to have the opening music of Day of the Dead, and we will close out the show with the start of the movie? What the fuck? <laughs> if you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion podcast network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the Third. 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
way you can read me. We can get you out. All right, let's just do the show housekeeping and stop torturing these people with our bad impressions of Miguel, <laughs> a.k.a. Sarah's pogo stick. Yes. If you'd like to find a good pogo stick, you might want to check out our Legion Podcast landing page, Wait. legionpodcast.com <laughs> forward slash cinema dash psyops. Plenty of pogo sticks available there, if you know what I'm saying, and I think you do. It's wall to wall. It's a real pogo stick party in there. It's a serious pogo stick fest. <laughs> also, our Facebook group has many pogo sticks that may or may not be available for you to bounce on, if you know what I'm saying. That's Cinema PsyOps on Facebook. Also, our Cinema PsyOps Facebook page has fucking blown up. Yeah. It has exploded because of some stupid photo of John Hurt with the Kool-Aid man busting out of his chest. I don't know. It's really resonated with people. The last time I checked it was at like 24,000 views. Jesus Christ. We've gotten so many page likes and all of this shit, so now I have to step up my fucking meme game. Yeah, man, the meme game's gotta get going. All the stuff that I was posting privately to my account, I will now link the Instagram account to the Facebook page and now all the crazy shit that I was posting there will automatically get posted to the Facebook page for everybody to share. Posted. Posted and let's see how that goes. <laughs> Sorry I missed speaking after like two and a half fucking plus hours of recording. I know. I, don't fucking worry. It just sounded great. You can find me on Facebook where you can post all the things you want about me, Court you Psyops. Can, you can go ahead and go. It just sounds like, not that you're mispronouncing, it sounds like you're like... like Overpronouncing? You're too, like, like you, it, well, it's like you're too good for it. Yeah, go ahead and post, post. it if you want. If you, you're a poster. You can also find Matt Psyop <laughs> on the Facebook where you can post at him. Uh, I prefer Matt Psyop. 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 You can email feedback to Matt, psyopmatt at gmail.com, and let him know that he should not be throwing stones in the glass house of mispronouncing things. I, was, I, was, I just laughed, all right? What, I can't fucking laugh? You can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Tell him to chill the fuck out with that shit and not take everything so goddamn personally all the time. However, he will probably take that very personally and not chill out. You can tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of fucking twats on the hate-filled shit fest that is Twitter. Yeah. I am at court underscore psyop and he is at psyop Matt. Yes, slide into our DMs. The Instagram account that is now linked directly to the page is cinema underscore psyops. So meme at me, folks. Share your memes that you want to see on the account. See what, us, see what works and see what helps. Give us those memes that only the trolls really like. <laughs> the trolls <laughs> that like the day of the dead. Yes, give us your memes. And while you're out there posting your memes, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. <laughs>
from you drinking too much? Maybe. <laughs> you got the brown bottle flu. Then again, I didn't drink all that much over the weekend. I really didn't. But you were in Wisconsin. You don't want to drink anything that was actually made in Wisconsin. That'll kill you. Motherfucker. <laughs> you can eat the cheese, but only because it's been heavily pasteurized. You, you're starting to you're starting to skid on some dangerous territory over here, motherfucker. <laughs> well, I mean, diary is the Wisconsin of the series, so you it makes sense. Motherfucker. <laughs> and it is, because diary's great and so is Wisconsin. <laughs> it's like dairy of the dead. Dairy, That's why you dairy. like it. Dairy Dude, of the don't dead. give some hack director a fucking idea to make dairy of the dead, okay? It's like milk cow zombies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, milk cow zombies. Hey, you know what? Zombievers turned out okay, and that's a stupid fucking title, and yeah. that movie's way better than that title deserves. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> so, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh... Right, patent pending. Maybe we want to do pending, that Patent pending, patent pending, <laughs> copyright protected. Yeah. That's ours. Please don't steal it. Yes, please. Or, or do. Just pay us. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but if you do, they'd give us money. We're going to have a little bit of music yeah. from Day of the Dead's original motion picture soundtrack in, in on court, vinyl for you freaks. In court, real quick, if you play all these really well, you'll be rewarded like a good boy. <laughs> Fuck off with that. I'm lying to you, just like we were lied to. Wow. <laughs> that was completely worthless. <laughs> It'll be an outtake. Uh, we're going to play the Legion Patreon ad. Absolutely. Give me two seconds. I'm going to put this up on my phone. This sucks trying to read it like that. All right. Three, two, one. It was a really well-drawn tattoo. It looked amazing. Mm -hmm. My wife put the kibosh on that because she did not want to look at a Dr. Dr. Tongue for the rest of her life. Uh, and I kind of had to respect that. Yeah. Because that's where I keep my vagina. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you don't want to anger where you keep your vagina. Absolutely not. Things can go badly for you. It's a killing corral. Yes. Or it's a corral to exploit the animal for riding pleasure. Yes. Wait, that's not a bad clip. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with bull riding, I think. I, I don't either. But I think bullfighting is much more well, I was, fucking I was about to say, at least bull riding, the bull gets to live. You know, bullfighting, that shit And he has a sucks. fair chance if he can get yeah. that thing off his back. He can fuck it, him up just as bad as it, he wants. And if he gets him off his back, the only thing that bull has to worry about is a couple of clowns just trying to get his attention for him to run at them. And then they just all leave the bull alone until he calms down. <laughs> yeah, they try I to mean, get him to hit a barrel that they're in. Don't be wrong. I don't understand bull riding, but they're not exactly being cruel to an animal like bullfighting is. Yes. So end bullfighting now. Yes, please. <laughs> I guess. And fuck the bull run. That fucking, that run leads to that shit, so. <laughs> now where the fuck was I before we got on our fucking soapboxes? <laughs> Been a while since we climbed up here. Yeah, right? It's really high. I'm having trouble breathing. After Sarah calls for more copper... Co uh. Yeah, he's you really. That, really that should have been an Oscar nod right there, just for that scene. And all that fucking around means I've lost my place.
And while you're out there posting your memes, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. <laughs> posting. Posting. You're posting your memes. <laughs> I remember when I posted my high quality. High quality post. High quality post.